Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode four of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moten as always and it is Selection Sunday and the NCAA tournament starts this week. We're excited, but before we get to that, we've got a ton to talk about, especially in the world of NFL free agency. Hit us with a little bit of something, Mo. Well, Mike's actually got a new sports craze for you guys to cling on to. He'll explain that very shortly. We got NFL moves, some important news. Both New York teams making interesting moves, one seeming more desperate, one more reserved. Uh, we got NFL quarterbacks, uh, overplaying their hand and, and demanding things they shouldn't, but we'll talk about that. And one NBA player that can make history if he can make a stride into the NFL. Well, that sounds like uh, quite the show right there, Mo. Absolutely. We got a lot for you, and not just NFL, but a little sprinkle of everything going in between. Absolutely. So let's get it kicked off with uh, one of the probably one of the coolest experiences that I've had in quite some time was uh, last Sunday. It was the opening Sunday, the opening day of the MLS season. And for you people at home that don't know what MLS stands for, it's Major League Soccer. Um, it's and it's it, Now it's been around over like, you know, basically 20 years, but it's really starting to catch on. And obviously many people in this country credit with you know, David Beckham coming to the, you know, the LA Galaxy, you know, a couple of years ago with kind of creating the craze that is soccer here in America. But uh, you know, for me, I've always been a soccer fan, you know, not to the level of baseball, football, or basketball, but I've really, I have follow it, followed it for many years, and my favorite club is AC Milan, which plays in the Serie A League, so I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the David Beckhams of the world, and there's a lot of time, Ibrahimovic's, and all these guys that, you know, are basically our LeBron James and Steph Curry over in Europe, and, uh, but I'd never been to a game, and that was until last Sunday when I was one of over 60,000 people that filled the Orlando Citrus Bowl, and, and, you know, to, to, you know, it's, yeah, it's a ton of people, and to give the credit, they've put a lot of money into the stadium over the past, I want to say, three or four years since I knew that, um, the Orlando City team was coming to the MLS, and even though they are actually getting their own all only soccer stadium next year, which I believe is only going to fill to capacity about 33,000, 35,000 people, we, they racked in 60,000 people, which was the fifth highest attendance of anywhere in the world for, for last weekend, which is really impressive when you think that this is a soccer game in America. Now, I don't know, Mo, have you, have you had the opportunity to actually go to a soccer game yet in, in New York? I actually have it, but I had an ex-boss tell me that it's an amazing experience. He actually went to Germany and went to a soccer game. He actually is of German descent. And he's like, it's a whole new experience. But he's like, you know, if you don't want to go to an actual or you can't go to an actual soccer game, just go to a bar and just see the people who watch. And it's an event. It's not just a game. It becomes an event. Yeah. People are just, just into it from the beginning to the end, even though it seems long and boring on TV when you watch it alone, but when you're with a group of people who actually appreciate it, as we appreciate football in America, as they call it their football, it's it's a, it's an amazing sight to see. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, was it uh, last year or was it the summer before? I can't remember exact, but when the last time the World Cup was on, uh, when I was living in L.A., we went, to, we went to a bar in Pasadena, and the level of just 
patriotism and people there, everybody was so up in arms and excited for USA soccer, wearing the jerseys, having their faces painted. It was just really cool because it brings people together that maybe now don't even know anything about soccer, but they have kind of a united front, which is which is nice to right. see when it's, it's your country. It's, yeah, I was going to say it's a nationalistic type of thing where it's not just a team or a player you like. It's your country. It's a representative of you. So, of course, you're going to be into it like, okay, my country, my pride. It's a very prideful thing. And this is why in the soccer events you see all types of things happening, fights and stuff like that. Of course, that's that's passion. You hate to see that, but that's how people are so serious about this sport. And, again, we, we do it with football. I mean, you go to a football game, American football game, and once beer is served, people get rowdy, fights happen. And, again, I hate to highlight that part of it, but it just shows how – how serious it is for these people who attend these games. Yeah, it's and it's true, and it's. I was actually really surprised at the, the turnout as far as uh, the level of uh, just the way people acted as, as at this match, at least. It was kind of calm. It was reserved. Even though there were 60,000 people, and, and as we call it here, hashtag fill the bowl, it was it was great. Everybody was loud and, and happy. There wasn't any, there wasn't anything you had to worry about. There was no crazy fans and people, you know, people were drinking, but it, it seemed under control. And I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised. Again, I've never been to a match, um, let alone in Europe, you know, here in America. So this was my first kind of undertaking. And again, we didn't have the greatest seats. It seemed like the clouds were a little closer than the, the pitch um, and then the players <laughs> on it. But uh, at least soccer for, for me, uh, you know, you don't really have to be on the field or, or on the sidelines to kind of appreciate, you know, what you're seeing because it's it's a spread out sport. You know, the kind of the, the further you are away from the pitch, the more action you're actually going to see. Now, of course, I'd love to be down, you know, on the field watching as close as I could, but I'm not going to complain for the price of the tickets we paid. And again, the MLS, <laughs> it, it really has come a long way. I mean, there's 20 teams in play right now spread all across the country. There's actually three teams in Canada. Uh, there's going to be 24 teams by uh, the year 2020, Atlanta has a team next year. Uh, there's going to be one in Minnesota. There's going to be a second in L.A. Uh, and then they're getting we're getting the Miami uh, United Beckhams. Uh, we, that hopefully that's not that's not the name of his team. Hopefully, but maybe it will be. I don't know. But it was just it was a, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, you know, and and in Orlando City. Uh, they were, you know, they missed the playoffs last year. Uh, they have Kaká, who was formerly of AC Milan, like I said, my favorite club. They actually just signed Antonio Nocerino, who is also from AC Milan. And, you know, he's a guy who might be, you know, past his prime as far as Europe is concerned. But here in America, you know, he's one of the top players. So... It's just it's it's one of those things where you know Orlando City was down two nothing and 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 by the seventy fifth minute people were leaving you know uh, it was probably a quarter of the people that were gone and like any like any game people want to beat the rush they want to they want to get out and beat the traffic and the, one of the guys I was with was trying to kind of convince us to leave and I was like no no I've never been to a game I want to stay I want right. to enjoy even if, exactly even if we don't win you know it's just a cool experience again it's only 90 minutes uh you know the clock continues to run which is also kind of cool there is a little bit of time to in stoppage time to play extra but you know a max we're talking is four minutes and so you know you kind of you didn't give up hope but we as fans were just kind of like all right well you know whatever but and then we we get just to just a stoppage time which is the 90th minute and uh Kyle Lauren who's what actually the 2015 MLS Rookie of the Year from Canada, nonetheless, uh, scores a goal. Uh, so we're like, well, okay, well, 90 minutes, we've got about four minutes of stoppage time. Maybe something can happen. Just 30 seconds later, Kyle Lauren booted a ball up the field. We, the, Our player, uh, Adrian Winter, it's pronounced Winter, although it's spelled like winter, uh, he beat his man running down the field and 
kicked the ball one-timer into the back of the net right before the final whistle. I mean, it was absolutely pandemonium. Fans were so going... So you had a thriller. Yeah, Basically. exactly. For my first game, it was phenomenal. It's going to be really, really hard to top. But you know what? It was just... It was such an exciting atmosphere. And it's a lot like hockey. If anybody's ever been to a hockey game, it's always better right. when you're there. But it was just... It was so cool. And, you know, people complain that, you know, oh, baseball's boring and football's too long. But you know what? There's just such a difference when you're at a game as opposed to when you're watching it on TV. And I really challenge everybody that's out there that's lucky enough to have an MLS team in your city. Go out. You don't have to spend a couple hundred bucks. Get the $20 tickets like I got, but just go tailgate. We had a couple, you know, adult beverages before the game. We had some food. It was just, it was a great time. Even if you don't really know a lot about soccer, just, just revel in it. You know, have a good time. Let your hair down. And you might, you might really experience something that you didn't know was a lot of fun and, and maybe make a, you know, make a weekend of it next Next time, you know, there's a couple of clubs coming in that you want to see. I know for myself, I've already looked at, on the schedule and I said, well, I want to see the New York FC team because they have Andrea Pirlo and they have, you know, David Villa. And there's these players that I know because they were once great in Europe and now they're here, you know, towards the end of their career. So, you know, again, just take it from a guy who's, uh, you know, didn't give it a chance at first, at least MLS. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a good time. It's a Bonnie experience. And you know what? We need more of that in the world of sports instead of it always being, you know, competitive or angry or let's throw a flare mm-hmm. on the field. You know, there's there's really no need for that. And if you're trying to warm yourself up to it, you know, play a little FIFA. Oh, go to yeah. A, go to a bar and watch a game, you know, Absolutely. before you go out and spend money on the New York Red Bulls. Just, you know, warm yourself up to it first to see how you like it. And you never know. You might get hooked onto it like like Mike did. And you may have a whole story to tell someone else about how great soccer is instead of maybe football in, in the offseason. Absolutely. And that's the thing. There's no football right now. Baseball's yet to start. Basketball's kind of in that kind of boring period before the playoffs. Hockey's... I think it's going on. So, you know, there's there's not a lot to watch right now. Obviously, March Madness is, is about to begin. But, again, it's only a couple weeks. And so, you know, uh, if you if you uh, do like soccer or if you don't like soccer, the European Championships are coming up soon. Pick a club in Italy. Uh, pick a club in Europe. Obviously, I'll be going for Italy as it's a Freudian slip. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, basically, it's basically the World Cup for only European teams, which arguably could be some of the, the best football or soccer, whatever you want to call it, in the world. Mm, so just absolutely. watch it. So yeah. go out there and support your New York Bulls if if you Red Bulls if you if you got time. Yeah, or you know the Orlando Lions or or whoever's in your city, just go out, have a good time, and you know what, you you never know, and that's what we like to say here on the Mike and Mo Show. Just experience it, and you know it'll give you something to talk about, and you know who knows what'll come out of it. Moving on to American football, where the NFL had their free agency period. It's still going on, but there are some teams who made some aggressive moves. Some teams who didn't make any moves. And we're going to start with the New York football teams. The Giants spent over $200 million on revamping their defense, bringing in Janoris Jenkins, re-signing Jason Pierre-Paul, signing David Harrison, and going after Olivier Vernon. Now, some people feel like it was a desperate move by Jerry Reese. I feel like it was necessary possibly to save his job as the Giants look to get back into the playoffs, firing their head coach Tom Coughlin. It's a new regime. He's trying to beef up the defense for Spags, and it's it's pretty obvious. And people say, hey, you shouldn't overspend for free agents, and I feel the opposite. Certain times it's necessary, especially these free agents are looking for paychecks, especially on their second contract. They're looking for a big payout, so you're going to have to overpay a little bit. The point is, if you overpay them, will they produce? 
In the Giants' case, I feel like it was a good move. Janoris Jenkins can shut down half the field. He did it with the St. Louis Rams, now Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he does take chances, but so did Asante Samuel in his heyday. So you have to look at it that way. The Giants were going to lose Prince of Mukamaro, who signed with the Jaguars. So I feel like that was a good move. The Jets let go, not let go, but they did resign Damon Harrison. And he's he's vital for, for the defensive line because he allows defensive ends to attack the quarterback, taking up two gaps in the middle, taking up two offensive linemen. Now you have Jason Pierre-Paul, which is kind of iffy. Uh, they said he had a surgery and he'll be able to play without the club. That remains to be seen. But if he's without that knitting on his hand, I feel like he's a big factor. They signed him for one year. Prove it deal, $10.5 million. So if he comes back, and let's say he comes back with 9 or 10 sacks, I feel like that's worth it. Olivia Vernon was probably massively overpaid. I agree with that. But then again, if he comes out there and he, and he records double-digit sacks opposite Jason Pierre-Paul, you gotta say it was a good move because then you have two monsters off the edge, kind of kind of redoing that Giants defense that won a Super Bowl not too long ago with Michael Strahan and Matthias Kimanuka and and I believe a guy who retired. I can't see I can't I can see his face, but I don't remember his name. My memory's going, I'm getting old. Tuck. The point is, uh Tuck. Also yes. there was there was one other guy. Uh but I again I can see his face, not his name. But uh, the Giants are basically redoing their defense and trying to trying to trying to beef it up, and I I agree with their moves. I don't know if you do, Mike. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, as a as a New York fan in general, they, we watched a lot of these games last year. They could not hold the lead because the defense was so porous, and they had so many injuries. And then again, Eli put a lot of points on the board, uh, but they just they just couldn't they couldn't stay with with most teams because at the end of the game they just they just gave up lousy touchdowns so i like what they did yes they did highly overpay for vernon uh you know you replaced uh robert ayers who had a good season but was a little up there in age you know vernon's only 25 years old so he's getting getting huge money which i i don't know if he's actually worth more than jj watt i would love to see him do this for a couple more seasons and hopefully he does with the new york giants but you know only time will tell uh you know damon snacks harrison was a solid solid addition it, i think that'll hurt the jets losing a guy like that in the defensive tackle position i like jenkins opposite uh you know cromarty that's really gonna get now you have two potential shutdown corners uh you bring back pierre paul i love that you only gave him a one-year deal let's see what he can do you reworked victor cruz uh, again who knows what he's gonna be but you know at an incentive leading contract good deal so i feel like the majority of these moves were smart uh you know taking a huge chance with vernon with all that guaranteed money 52 million in guaranteed cash i just really wish that the giants would have one added us a number one or at least a one one b running back uh and they still may and i really would have liked to seen them kind of get that that linebacking crew uh a little stronger because john beeson did retire and we haven't really had a solid middle linebacker since you know the days of antonio pierce so it'll be interesting to see what they do but obviously you know solidifying that 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 front four will go a long way and again we've got you know we've got a solid secondary now with jenkins and you know, landon collins coming back a healthy year so you know all in all i think it's a solid win hey you got that money you might as well spend it why not Right, and I was gonna say that, and you know, people say, "Oh, they were spent," but the Giants still have enough money to to even grab another player if they if they if they like during free agency. 
And that running back that you spoke about that could possibly take the team, the offense, to another level, they can draft Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. Even though they'll probably go with another linebacker, as you spoke about, they need another inside linebacker or an outside linebacker to play. But we'll see what their what their plans are. That player that escaped my mind, OCU Manure, yes. I cannot forget him. Yes. Uh, that was the guy that was part of the Super Bowl team. And and like I said again, Olivier Vernon and JPP, if JPP is the JPP of old before the firecracker incident, it's a really good defense, in my opinion. It's a it's a defense well spent. So you can you can criticize Reese if you want, but if your job's on the line, you're gonna start swinging for the fences, and that's what he did. Yeah, no, smart move. But, but uh, going over to another New York team, the Jets, as we spoke about, they let go of some players because they are posturing for a quarterback. As you know, Damon Harrison signed with the Giants in the same building, uh, same city. Uh, Chris Irie left to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars to sign a five-year deal, and he'll, he'll be teamed up with Yeldon, which is an interesting pair. But the Jets brought in Matt Forte. I mean, it's not a bell cow running back, but he's good enough to catch passes out of the backfield and be an alternate to, I guess, the starting running back if they so choose to pick up another running back. They also picked up Kyrie Robinson, which I believe is is a, is an underrated pick. I mean, he's not going to take your team to the promised land, but who knows what he can do after some time off, picking up some, some carries behind uh, Forte. But the, the Jets were kind of reserved, and I feel like a lot of their attention is on the quarterback position with Fitzpatrick, who hasn't signed yet. And there's, I will talk more about Fitzpatrick later on. Kind of disappointed in him and his agent, but we'll talk more about that later. But the Jets are are kind of in an interesting situation because they had Robert Griffin III come in, and he, he had a second meeting with Jets Brass about, I guess, taking the starting position. People shudder to think Geno Smith will ever start again for the Jets, but I feel like it may not be a bad decision based on what they have. Let's say if Robert Griffin III goes to Denver or Cleveland or San Francisco or any other teams that he's rumored to go to, the Jets are going to have to go to the drawing board and possibly the draft. Now, uh, I feel like I rate the Jets' free agency as a lukewarm C plus B minus B. Uh, they weren't there weren't any real splash moves aside from Matt Forte signing on. Uh, again, they're, they've been held pretty much hostage with the quarterback situation. They did sign Bilal Powell, who will probably catch more passes out of the backfield. Their their running game is not as good as it was. Obviously, it takes a step back without Chris Ivory. I, I don't feel like Matt Forte is a is a 15 to 16 to maybe 18 carry running back anymore. Maybe about 12 to 14. So they're going to need some help there. But um, I don't know what you think about it, but I would take them a peg below the Giants. I would give the Giants an A in free agency so far, and I would give the Jets, like, again, maybe a B minus, C plus. Well, I feel like the Jets kind of went after and did what they had to do to solidify their positions that were lacking. Obviously, the, the Giants needed defense. The Jets needed offense. And, and unfortunately, everybody's going to look at the Jets offseason as a win or a loss, depending on who they who they come up with as their quarterback. And, you know, I mean, that, that's that's fair. If it's RG3, yeah, well, time will tell. If it is Fitzpatrick on a one- or two-year deal, you know, it, it, it's, it makes sense because he knows the offense. But I, I really like the Matt Forte signing. I, I know he's 30, uh, but he's only getting $8 million guaranteed. It's only a $12 million deal total. He still had over 1,000 yards all-purpose last year for a guy who was on the downward spiral his career on a terrible Chicago Bear team. I think he's going to be revitalized. I mean, look at Brandon Marshall, what he did. He was 31 last year, and he played like a 24-year-old kid. I, I like bringing back Bilal Powell because he is that secondary guy who can definitely get you 10 carries a game, but more, more than that, receive the ball out of the backfield. And again, 
Kiri Robinson, he he was basically the same exact guy that they had in the big man who went to Jacksonville, Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory played Mm -hmm. for the Saints. Chris Ivory came out of nowhere. Chris Ivory is actually a little older when he came to the Jets, so I really like the Kiri Robinson deal because before he got hurt last year, he was playing pretty nice when when, uh, the Saints had all those injuries. So, again, they kind of we needed a a running back situation. We totally revamped there, and I read a report, and I don't know if if your sources uh, can confirm or deny it, but I read a report that the Jets were sending Muhammad Wilkerson to the Bears for a second round pick and Martellus Bennett. Do you know anything about that? I have no idea about that and I hope your sources are wrong. My sources have not relayed that to me, but if that is the case, I would not be on board with that. My sources actually told me that, not told me, but revealed that uh, Sheldon Roberts, Sheldon Richardson will move inside and kind of take the place of, of snacks and, have, and they'll have Leonard Williams and then Muhammad Wilkinson play on the outside. I like that idea better. So hopefully my sources are greater than your sources on this one. <laughs> Who knows? But um, if he if they send him to the Bears for a second-round pick, and I know the Jets tried to get a first and teams weren't budging on that, but, I mean, I just I don't like the move. I mean, I know they wanted a tight end because they don't believe in Jason Morrow, but Jason Morrow basically had one season to prove himself, and he and Rex Ryan didn't get along when they were both there, and you saw that when they were taking shots at each other through the media when Rex went to Buffalo. So I feel like the Jets need to, you know, pull the brakes on, on getting a starting tight end. Let Jason Morrow pan out. Let's see what he does. He injured his shoulder and didn't play a game during the regular season, like this previous season, so... Give him a chance. They don't need Martellus Bennett yet. They got they got their blocking tight end. I know they let go of Jeff Cumberland, but they got Sufeld there. And I feel like they just just be patient. Keep keep Muhammad Wilkinson. I don't see Muhammad Wilkinson as you know as a piece that should be moved. I know the Jets came out and said they they value Richardson more than Wilkinson, which I think is crazy. Richardson is a great player, but he had you know some things happen during the season. We all make mistakes, but then again, Wilkinson has nothing on his resume that raises a red flag, and Richardson does. So I feel like they're going to play out the season, and they'll probably make a decision on Wilkinson and Richardson because they'll both be up for contract renewals. Yeah, only one of them is going to be coming back long term. And, uh, you know, maybe they feel that if they don't trade, you know, somebody now, they're not going to get anything, obviously, if they walk. So, you know, if they can get something, a first-round pick, I would do it. Uh, you know, again, those are hard to come by. And obviously they are valuing the tight end position because depending on who the quarterback is going to be, tight end is obviously a safety valve for most quarterbacks. But on to uh, who do you think won for HC outside of New York, outside of, of my home state? or home tri-state area. Who do you think uh, did a good job in free agency? Uh, I think Philadelphia did a, did a decent job considering what they had on their plate. Basically, uh, Doug Peterson came in and cleaned house, got rid of most of Chip Kelly's major signings, Byron Maxwell, DeMarco Murray. Byron Maxwell in the deal to Miami with Kiko Alonso. DeMarco Murray is now with the Tennessee Titans where he'll be used as he wants to. He wants the rock, so he's going to get it out there because they had no one. But kudos to uh, Howie Roseman for for cleaning house and Doug Peterson actually getting Chase Daniel a deal in Philadelphia because the guy is is almost 30 years old. I believe he's 29 now. He's almost 30. He's getting a deal to be a backup. There was there were little rumbles about him possibly taking over the starting position over Sam Bradford, which I think is crazy for the money that they played him that they paid him. But um, the Eagles came out and said uh, Sam Bradford's our guy. So I hope they stick with that plan, but kudos to them for clearing it out. What I find interesting, though, is Chip Kelly came in, and he cleaned house, 
and he brought in his guys, and people had a heart attack. And I know they got rid of some stars, some homegrown stars. They got rid of LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin. But what did those guys get Andy Reid when they were there together? I believe they were 12 and 20 in Andy Reid's last two seasons. And people were like, oh, he's getting rid of stars. Oh. And yes, there was the racism factor into it. And I don't think Chip Kelly's a racist. And that's a heavy charge to deal on someone. But... I mean, Philly came in and they cleaned house and everyone's okay with it. Why? Because everyone hates Chip Kelly, so it's okay. I don't know if you agree with that, Mike, but I just feel like he's done the same thing and people are just like, they're railing on Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly can't get a break. Again, he had, he had a, I mean, he had a decent season. He bottomed out at the end and left and both to the West, but you got to understand when coaches come in, especially if they got GM responsibilities, they want to bring in their own players. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, this is people forget Chip Kelly got his team to the playoffs in the first year. And the second year, they weren't the worst team in the league. You know, they were middle middle of the pack kind of a uh, team. And it's, it's just a huge – there's just no stability right now in the Eagle, you know, organization. And I'm a little concerned. Like, why would you give up on Murray after, you know, basically one year where he was right. – he showed signs that he's still a good running back, especially when he was put in the right position of instead of running east and west, run north and south because that's the type of – running back he is it's only 28 years old and if he can do half of what he did in dallas now with the tennessee titans they got themselves a really good back for a fourth round pick i mean really you traded this guy i mean i understand you wanted to get out of all the money that he was owed which was 35 million dollars but who's your who's your running back now i mean who are you going to depend on it ryan matthews is, is he really <laughs> exactly. re- like the san diego chargers taught us that that's not possible darren sproul is not in every down back so who's it going to be are you going to go out and get somebody all you know uh arian foster like where, where are you going and, and even you know he's murray said it he said it to jim wyatt of the titansonline.com he said i feel like i took a year off last year so he's fresh Absolutely. So the Titans got got a steal, and he actually picked out the Titans. I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's because he felt he could get the best contract. So, yeah, because he knew he was going to get the ball there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, That's what he needs. People can't even name their starting running back before he got there. Yeah, they had, they had a couple, and he, Bishop Sankey was was mis- miserable. Uh, they, the other guy they had is a Cobb. David Cobb, I believe, was the second back, and then the third back who came in at the end of the year. Uh, yes. he, he's escaping my, my mind. But, yeah, I mean, this was a great deal for Murray. I don't really feel that this was the smartest deal. I don't really feel trading Kiko Alonso. Uh, I know from what I heard that that, that was not Miami was not going to take the deal for Byron Maxwell without Kiko Alonso in the deal, and they only traded a you thirteenth know, uh, overall pick for an eighth round eighth overall pick. So again, it, I feel again that that trade necessarily probably worked out in the Dolphins' uh, best interest as well because they got really what they wanted. So it's really just the kind of Howie Roseman's kind of just shedding the Chip Kelly label because of all the negative press and energy that was going on. They they, they signed Rodney McLeod for thirty six. Seven million dollar deal. Uh, they just, they just a lot of moves, and sometimes people think moves need to be done. But I also feel that a lot of time people just make moves to make moves. So this is going to be interesting how the, how this really works out. Chase Daniel getting thirty six million dollars and twelve million dollars to back up. Uh, a guy who Sam Bradford's also getting paid a crazy amount of money who may not stay healthy. Like, what what are you doing? And then you go and you trade Mark Sanchez, who was probably your best quarterback over the past two seasons, to, to Denver So for a seventh-round pick. So, again, there's just so many moving parts that how do you really – how do you make a cohesive unit with all these – all these different parts. You got a new coach, a new president of operations. Like it makes it's enough to make your head spin. 
I mean, another another team that I had to give the 1A winner to is the Houston Texans, who we'll speak about very briefly. The Texans really just revamped their, their offense. And I know you, you joked last week who the Texans going to depend on at running back, Alfred Blue. And they said, well, no, we're just going to bring in Lamar Miller, yeah. which I think is a great pickup for them. He wanted the carries. And trust me, Bob McNair and the Houston Texans will use you up as they did Arian Foster. So if you wanted, I mean, he came out, he said he wanted about 20 carries a game. He's going to get it. He's going to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's only 25, so he'll take the pounding for a couple years, and then Bob McNair will say, bye-bye. I mean, that's just the way it is. <laughs> and, you know, they they gave a lot of money to Brock Osweiler. I mean, he, he was basically offered $37 million more than Denver offered, which is obviously why he left. And we all have heard the story that he was bummed when he got benched in the San Diego game, and he felt disrespected, and blah, blah, blah. John Elway doesn't want to play that game. But, again, the guy's, he's got NFL tools, got an NFL body, he's got a good arm, he can run. So, this is a heck of a lot better than Brian Hoyer, uh, you know, oh. and all the other guys there, and it, I really really hope that the reports that I read that the Jets might talk to Brian Hoyer isn't true because that's just three yeah that's three steps backwards but again Houston went out and it's this is what free agency is about it's about it's about filling those problematic areas those places that you need you need players now had Houston had Brock Osweiler type and and a Lamar Miller last year who knows how far they could have gone because their defense is really good and you've got probably top one of the top five uh, wide receivers in the league in DeAndre Hopkins so a really nice nice additions all across the board on the offensive side and you know this will be a team that very well could easily win that AFC South especially we have no no idea what's going to happen with Indianapolis Mm -hmm. and I feel like they're going to challenge people people may not see it but you know Houston Texas already have a great defense and they just last year just seems like they made they made it to the playoffs with that nine and seven yeah won a division all they needed was a little bit of offense somebody to throw DeAndre Hopkins the football and now they have Brock Osweiler, who could do that, and I know people say, "Well, Brock Osweiler wasn't great." Well, he went five and two. Yeah. How many teams? How many NFL teams could say, "Yeah, we can hand the ball to our backup quarterback, and he can make he can get us five and two. Like, not many teams can say that. So for for people to say, "Oh, they overpaid for Brock Osweiler," the guy did his job, and if I were him, I would have felt bummed too to have Peyton Manning take my position, even though I could probably see it happening because he's you know he's a legend. Mm-hmm. But you got to look at, you know, what's best for me. And, and the Texans are willing to cough up the cash, so why not take it? I yeah. don't blame them. No, it, it, it was, you know, it makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, Denver really is, is in a bit of a bind now. Like we said, they got Mark Sanchez, who, you know, he should not start at this point in his career. You know, they're talking about possibly trading for Colin Kaepernick, possibly RG3. There's just... There's a lot of question marks for the Super Bowl champions, and obviously we saw this week that they lost Danny Trevathan, who goes to Chicago, who really confused me because Danny Trevathan was quoted as saying, I wish Green Bay would have signed me. Why would you say that when you're now in the same division as them, but you're playing for the Bears? What? He's keeping, he's keeping it 100, Mike. Yeah, That's well, uh, wait till he, like, dude, if you're on my team and you're in the locker room, I'm going to go right up to you the first day at camp and be like, what are you, an idiot? Why would you sign here then? So clearly you're about the money because you, you don't really want to be here. So that's a little odd. And then we saw that the Dolphins were trying to replace Lamar Miller with C.J. Anderson. Uh, you know, Denver is not going to, they're not going to match that offer that he got. So he's going to go there. They cut Brent Grimes who because Brent Grimes' wife, obviously cost oh, him cost him don't, to get don't mention her name yeah please. she she looks like a broke ass jada 
Pinkett Smith. I'm sorry to say that, but I just, I read some of her tweets and I'm just like, oh man, like this is, this you get a hold you of your woman. Name, she's gonna. I had a tweeter that said, if you say her name, she's just gonna pop up like Beetlejuice and just doing <laughs> hate. I, I I lost my mind off that tweet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that like you, dude. I'm sorry, man, but that's that's just bad for business. That's like Kurt Warner's wife back in the day. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah, like somebody's got like your PR people got to get a hold and be like, cut her Twitter off. And and I've yeah, been that's... I've been I've heard that she is now no longer on twitter so good for yeah, the, good for the people at twitter but the dolphins the dolphins i feel had a miserable offseason we just talked about that they went out and signed mario williams uh 17 million dollar base salary he can get up to 20 million through incentives uh i don't really know where they're going either obviously their whole situation is still in flux new coach uh, it's a oh man they lost richard matthews it's like this team was getting closer and now they have also taken a couple steps back because you've lost olivier vernon replaced him with mario williams cameron wake is in flux there's just so many pieces to a team that really doesn't seem like they have much of an idea of how to win especially in a tough you know afc east division I was kind of surprised they got rid of, uh, well, not got rid of, but they let Olivia Vernon kind of go. I mean, they put the transition tag on him and then removed it. And when they put the transition tag on him, it was kind of clear that they were going to move on from him because they lost Charles, tight end Charles Clay mm-hmm. in the same way where they put the transitional tag on him and the Bills picked him up. So I felt like they, they undervalued him from the beginning. It's just surprising that they would keep Cameron Wake, who's up there in age. I mean, I know he he's a he's a sax guy, but he's you know he's in his mid thirties now. So you have to think about who's his replacement. And you pick up Mario Williams, who's also like early mid thirties. Eh, a little iffy. I wouldn't say it was a total lush, but um, they did they do they will get a compensatory pick for uh, Olivier Vernon in a, in a, in the upcoming draft. So it's not a total loss, and they also cut ties with Nico Grimes' wife. I mean, Nico Grimes, basically, Grant Grimes' <laughs> wife. So, it's you know, there's some silver linings in there where they're trying to cleanse, kind of, with Adam Gates taking over. We'll see how the whole thing works out. But um, I'm going to say the Browns had a pretty miserable offseason. I mean, free, free agency, because they let a lot of their players go. Alex Mack, gone. Mitchell Swartz, gone. Travis Benjamin, gone. Tashawn Gibson, gone. And they just didn't really pick up anyone. And we'll get into Colin Kaepernick a little later, but... He's, he's, you know, drawing interest from the Browns, and he said basically that he's not impressed with the Browns' offseason moves thus far, and he doesn't want to restructure his deal. Well, yeah. Again, we'll get into that later, but you got to look at that if you're coming to the Browns as a free agent or considering them. They haven't really done anything. No, they they haven't done anything, and this is the Browns. Why would anyone be surprised? I I mean, clearly, I think honestly, Travis Benjamin to the Chargers was is one of the best deals of the entire offseason. Uh, you know, he's only he's got a four year deal, twenty four mil, eighteen during the first three years. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be exactly what Philip Rivers needs on that offense. Uh, if they can ever get a, the running back situation kind of straightened out, th- this is a nice deal. You know, Antonio Gates had a decent year last year, obviously. Uh, their their wide receivers. Everyone was hurt last year. I mean, they called you and me to play a couple games. So <laughs> I mean, this is they they've got all. They, this is a move in the right direction. Yes, you lost Larry's Green, uh, but it's not really. I mean, he was okay, but twenty million dollars to go to Pittsburgh. Maybe Pittsburgh. Obviously, Pittsburgh's looking for a tight end. They lost Heath Miller. So for whatever this was about, this was like the the off season of the tight end. It seemed Benjamin Watson got paid. He got two years and eight million from the Ravens. Then Kobe Fleener blew it out of the park with a one like with a deal for thirty six million dollars to go to go be 
with Drew Brees in New Orleans. And I feel like this is a good signing. I don't know about the money, but I feel like at least that he's got a little bit of, uh, you know, an athlete that he hasn't necessarily had since the days of, of Jimmy Graham. So, again, so many moves. A lot of teams really just trying to fill those holes that they did. And I feel the one team that, that made a lot of uh, good moves, I mean, some of them were a little questionable, but you got to look at the Jaguars. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, we already. Like, I mean, personally, I think the I think that the winner of that division is going to be Houston. But the Jaguars, for a team that was, you know, I believe what they have last year, five wins, to to give Malik Jackson a whole lot of money and ninety million dollars with forty two guaranteed. Honestly, you ha- they had the most amount of cap space. So again, spend the money. At least you're showing that you're you're headed in the right direction. Chris Ivory, yeah, I don't know, thirty two million is a lot of money. I like T.J. Yeldon. Obviously, you're going to try that whole, you know, fast bruiser kind of combination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tashawn Gibson, five-year deal. Not, uh, so, and, you know, everybody's bound. They're leaving ship from, from Cleveland. So that was a, another good signing. So this is a team trending in the right direction. Great wide receivers, uh, really good tight end, a solid quarterback. They just need to get better. And at least they're making they're, – they're trying to solidify that defense, which obviously was was lacking last year. So, Mike, you're in Florida, you, so you'd say the Jaguars had the best offseason so far of the three Florida teams Oh, out there. yeah, absolutely. I mean, Doug Martin going back to, to the Bucks was good, but again, the Dolphins, I feel like the Dolphins are the new Washington Redskins as far as uh, this. <laughs> we're a fantasy team, and we're just going to sign people because it looks good on paper. Like, you didn't learn anything from Indomitian Sioux last year? Clearly yeah, not. Yeah. Clearly not. I mean, again, I think they're just trying to shed people and just kind of start over. I just don't agree with a lot of the moves that they made. They also moved, as you mentioned, they moved back five spots in the draft. I mean, you need you need the help. And I and I like Miles Jack for them. And I think at 13, I don't think they'll be able to draft him because he'll be gone within the top 10. Yeah. I, I see him possibly going to the Giants if the Giants don't draft a, court, uh, a running back. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely need something. I've seen, I saw one uh, projected draft spot had my man Will Fuller at a Notre Dame going to going to Tampa. So obviously, well, what's he, he's not really a slot guy. You're gonna you're gonna are you gonna cut Vincent Jackson like that? People were rumored to do that, and you're gonna pair him with Mike Evans. That's a nice start because you got Jameis Winston. But again, uh, offense is not the problem for Tampa Bay. Defense is the problem, and they haven't really done anything to make that happen. They tried with Robert Ayers. They took him from the Giants and signed him. Again, he's, I mean, he's not, he had a breakout season last year with the Giants and no one kind of saw that coming, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll be able to continue that. We'll see. It's kind of a risk, but uh, it could pan out for them. My but question for you, if you're Atlanta, you're the Atlanta Falcons, a team that perennially underachieves, would you have cut Roddy White and signed Mohamed Sanu from the Bengals like they did? Of course. I mean, Roddy White, I mean, people, there was a it was a poll question I saw. Who's going to have a better season, Roddy White or Andre Johnson? I couldn't decide because they're both kind of washed up right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roddy White had the attitude, but he's just, he's past tense now. I mean, you, you can't depend on him. That he's, yeah. he's just not the guy. It's Julio Jones now. So you wanted a guy you could pair with Julio Jones, and I think Muhammad Sanu, who comes from the Bengals, is, is a good pair. I mean, he battled for the two spot along with Marvin Jones, who went to Detroit. But I believe, I believe that Matt Ryan can make him into a, a fantasy wizard, so you might want to pick him up as a sleeper in, in the mid-rounds. Yeah, as long as you don't get negative points for drops because he's going to drop at least three, <laughs> four balls a game. It's, it's just kind of scary. He's got all this 
skills. He's quick. He can jump. He can, you know, he just has trouble catching. So I mean, hey, remember T.O. had drop issues in his career too, and he he became pretty good. I'm not saying Muhammad's too new as T.O. Don't jump at me, Twitter. But uh, uh well, you yeah, it'll be decent, I think. Yeah, no, I, I like him. I like him better than Roddy White too. I mean, it's it just it's a step in the right direction. You got to get younger. The, the the one acquisition that I was kind of floored by was Chris Hogan, uh, who. No, not Hulk Hogan. Chris Hogan, who's <laughs> going to the going to the Patriots uh, on a twelve million dollar three year deal. Now, is it? Do they think he's the second coming of Julian Edelman, or or is, are they just is somebody really really like Chris Hogan? I, I guess somebody really likes Chris Hogan because I honestly don't see it. I mean, he had some he had some bright spots with the Bills, but I mean the Patriots. You, I mean they're not really. I wouldn't depend on the pages to evaluate my wide receivers. Let's just say that because they had some they had some busts at wide receivers at wide receiver in the past. Josh Boyce, Aaron Dobson is probably their most uh, prolific wide receiver that they've drafted over the past few years. So if I'm looking at wide receivers, I'm not trusting whoever's making the decisions, Bill Belichick or whoever's making wide receiver decisions out there. Chris Hogan could be a piece, but he's going to be pretty much a, a non-factor, I feel. It's, it's still all about Gronk. It's still all about Julian Edelman and whoever they have at running back. And, of course, terrific Tom Brady, who may serve a four-week suspension based on a report I read from the Boston Globe if he loses his appeal for the Deflategate case. Now, the Deflategate case has gone on for, for it seems like, forever. And the Patriots have already surrendered a first-round pick for it and had been fined. But Brady could actually still lose four games at the beginning of the 2016 season, which I find interesting. But if Jimmy Garoppolo can come in and kind of hold the fort down and be kind of like a Brock Osweiler to a minimal extent and at least go 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and one, um, they'll weather the storm. But the big news is that this is still going on and he could still serve a suspension. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's. Uh, I don't want to say he's guilty, but something's going on because you've he's already. Guilty. Yeah. Okay, he's guilty. They've already. <laughs> they've already taken the draft pick away. They find this team uh, half a million dollars. Uh, so, so so yeah. So it. I don't know. Something went down. Uh, obviously somebody's gonna have to pay the piper, and and if it was Brady. Then let's just get this over with already. You know this team yeah. they'll survive. Uh, I still think they need they need a more of a running game, but we'll see how you know Deion Lewis comes back. But he's still not your typical you know every down back. And if you're you're waiting for Legarrette Blunt, I mean you know come on. But again, New England's never had a, a, a true running back since the days of Corey Dillon. So it, again, it'll be interesting. They'll they'll survive. You know Garoppolo, even if he can go two and two. But I think Garoppolo's going to go four and zero, oh, and then we're going to have a quarterback controversy. Oh, so you're gonna think, you think he's going to get Drew? Bledsoe. Ooh, you know what? Hey, it's about time. Somebody's got to push uh, the old man. But, you know, you know it's, it's just it's just crazy. De- New England's been running these games for years, you know, between Spygate and between Deflategate and Watergate they were probably involved in. So, <laughs> you know what? Let's just let's just and, get this over with. Gate, yeah, know? I mean, this guy, you know what? One day we're going to look back and we're going to be like, man, they cheated for how many years? But how many ch- titles have they won? So, somebody's doing something right and somebody's doing something wrong by not catching on with this but hey i guess make it till you fake it or fake it till you make it but because you know you know what they say if if you're not cheating you're not trying i guess (laughs) 
in sports, not in relationships. Not in relationships. Yeah, yeah. We gotta keep if those two things separate. Absolutely. Yeah, very separate things. But in sports, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. It's, so it's, I mean, hey. And speaking of a team that used to be a bunch of cheaters, um, the Oakland Raiders. Um, <laughs> we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the team that Mo tweets about. Uh, twenty three six, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, what? I, you're the man that knows all when it comes to Oakland Raiders. Do you feel that they have taken a step forward or backwards? I feel like they're taking a giant leap forward. I mean, I, I, you, you just said it. I've been on Twitter the last three, four days just talking about the Oakland Raiders are back. And I know people throw out that same tired line, oh, they're on the upswing, they're on the upswing. No, I think they're finally here. I mean, they signed Bruce Irvin, Sean Smith, Osemele Kelechi, and they might still get Eric Weddle. I mean... What, what more could you ask for? They, they, they're plugging holes in their linebacking core. They, I mean, Alden Smith is serving a suspension. He has to be reinstated, and that won't happen until about week 10. I mean, they, they, they got their starting quarterback now opposite David Amerson because T.J. Carey may play safety. We'll see what happens. And, and Osemele, I mean, they needed, they needed another guard slash tackle. We don't know exactly where he'll play yet because Donald Penn could still resign with the Raiders and solidify that blind side, which would make Leachy a, uh, a, a guard strictly. But he signed a major deal, which makes me think he's going to get reps at left tackle. Now, if he doesn't, he'll be he'll be probably the highest paid, I believe, highest paid or second highest paid guard in the league, which is fine if it's a hole because the Raiders had money. I believe they started off the offseason with the second most behind the Jaguars. Of course, they're not up there now because of the money they spent, but this is money well spent. And I read a report where Reggie McKenzie said, hey, I don't have to beg for free just to come to Oakland anymore. And I believe that's a sign of things to come. Teams and players are finally starting to respect the Raiders as a real football team. Not the same team that drafted Jamarcus Russell, who was drinking scissor with <laughs> Little Wayne and Future, but the team that's actually a serious contender in the AFC West, especially with the Denver Broncos, probably taking a step back. Peyton Manning retiring. They're losing parts of the defense, possibly losing their running back, C.J. Anderson. So they're going to they're gonna have to take a step back, and the team has got to step forward. And some people say, well, what about the Chiefs? Well, the Raiders just weakened the Chiefs a little bit by taking their starting cornerback in Sean Smith, who's a big physical presence on the outside. So they strengthened their team and weakened their opponents. So you got to look at that as something to look forward to if you're a Raiders fan. And I believe that if you're looking on paper, I don't know about on the field yet because we haven't played any games. Training camp hasn't rolled around yet. But on paper, the Oakland Raiders should be your favorite with, I mean, battling with the Kansas City Chiefs to actually win the division this year. But you're not concerned about their inconsistent running game? Absolutely not because I feel like they're going to address that in the draft. I and. This is funny because at first I was against Ezekiel Elliott being a pick for the Raiders. If the Giants don't pick up Ezekiel Elliott and they go for Miles Jack, I feel like the Raiders should do it because then that will, that will, to me, that will propel their running game to a respectable top 10 to have with Latavius Murray. Again, if they don't get a running back, it still, it still spells trouble. But I believe their defense can now win games, which they couldn't do last year. A lot of times their defense let them down, whether through the passing game, at one point, their running defense was kind of weak. They were holding teams under 100 yards, and then it flip-flopped, and they were they were getting killed inside. So now you have a defense, you have a legitimate defense, and if they get that extra piece in the, in the running back position, I believe they're the team to beat in the AFC West. Well, there you have it. The Raiders are going all the way, according to Maurice <laughs> Moten. So when they don't, you know who to blame.
Hey, I, I, I'll say this. The Raiders go 10 and 6. They're going to win 10 games this year. I, I know who they're going to play. I don't know in what order. But they're going to go 10 and 6 this year. I don't know if that's good enough because it could be a weird season where you need more than 10 wins to make the playoffs. As you remember, the Patriots had 11 and 5 season, didn't make it one year. So it really depends. So I think they're going to have to really win a division to secure a playoff spot. Now, 10 wins should be able to do it if, if they're able to beat the Chiefs. They weren't able to beat the Chiefs in the previous season, but I should I, they should be able to do it this year. Yeah, no, they definitely on the upswing. I love their offense. I think, uh, you know, I think the car man is uh, really, really good. I love their wide receivers. And uh, it'll be good. Like you said, though, there's definitely not going to be a wild card coming out of the division, so you're going to have to win, uh, win, you know, 10 games. But that is it. That is uh, all 742 moves that were made over <laughs> NFL free agency in uh, the last uh, 48 hours, it seems. It's been exciting. It's been fun. And uh, it's nice to see that teams are actually spending money. Next up will be Open Mic. Open Mic. And it's time to talk about everybody's favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> That's so cold, Mike. So, That's so ice cold. cold. But uh, one player that, that may agree with you or may not, based on reports, Colin Kaepernick actually wants to play for the Cleveland Browns. Why? Now, first of all, let's stop right there. Why? Who actually wants to play for the Cleveland Browns and why? Bernie Kosar. One radio host say maybe because the Cleveland Browns just don't have much of expectations, so a player who's looking to revive his career, goes there with low expectations and maybe overachieve. Eh, could be a theory. Mm. But uh, Colin Kaepernick actually has interest in going to the Cleveland Browns. Again, we spoke earlier about the moves there or the lack thereof, and he's kind of unimpressed with that. And that ties into the reports. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot reported that the Browns are willing to send a third-round pick to San Francisco 49ers for Kaepernick. But... He has to restructure his deal. If you if you remember, he signed a six-year, hundred fourteen million dollar deal in two thousand fourteen. His cap hit is fifteen point eight million this season. So I could see why the Browns would want him to take a you know a pay cut or some sort of restructure his deal a bit. Who is Colin Cap? First of all, two things. <laughs> why does Colin Kaepernick want to go to the Browns? Mm-hmm. And who is Colin Kaepernick to say I'm unimpressed with what they did when he just basically squandered away a whole season? under Jim Tonsula and, and the San Francisco 49ers dumpster fire. Yeah. So that, that just makes me scratch my head a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, in the NBA, this would be considered tampering. Um, but obviously in the NFL, this is one of the rules that we don't really worry about. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is still a member of the San Francisco 49ers and should be concerned with trying to win the starting quarterback position over Blaine Gabbert. But clearly he's ready to move on. But if he doesn't, then uh, what? Then then what? He's going to be a miserable quarter, backup quarterback that's going to be getting paid an insane amount of money. I mean, no. I mean, someone's going to pick him up. I mean, they, I mean, it's weird because it just seems like Kaepernick wants out of San Francisco. Because if you remember, there were rumors that he wanted to go to the Jets. Yeah. And the Jets were like, "We're not interested." Then the Jets were like, "Okay, we'll talk to him." Because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we'll talk about next. But, uh, I mean, Kaepernick just wants to get out of San Francisco. It's clear. Um, I'm not sure if he'll end up with Cleveland because, again, he's not impressed with Cleveland. And Cleveland's like, well, you got to restructure it. He's against it. I mean, at first, San Francisco felt like they weren't going to trade him. And that, I think, this is a bluff because he obviously doesn't want to be there. I don't know if it's Chip Kelly or if it's the management he doesn't like. But for whatever reason, he wants to move on. And I think he ends up in Denver. I'm sorry, Mark Sanchez, for crushing your hopes of starting, but I think he ends up in Denver with John Elway, who could probably talk to the kid and say, hey, 
you know, let's tone it down a little bit. Let's relax. We'll get you back on track. I don't know if you agree with that, but Colin Kaepernick has some, he has some choices to make, and I, and I would avoid the Browns. I would rescind that statement that I wanted to go to play for the Cleveland Browns, but that's Colin Kaepernick's life, not mine. I, I just think he wants to get paid no matter where, and that's why he hasn't really signed off on a deal because he has to restructure, and I'm sure he would not want, I wouldn't want to restructure a $114 million deal, but if you're if you're one of these teams that needs a quarterback all of a sudden, who would you who would you rather? Would you rather Colin Kaepernick, RG3, or Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'm taking RG3, and I know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, RG3 had a second meeting with the Jets, and I feel like he's the best fit for the Jets. I know there's some there's some reports out there to say that RG3 isn't the best person to get along with, but that I mean, that's competition. They said he wasn't talking to Kirk Cousins when Kirk Cousins got drafted. From that point on, RG3 and Kirk Cousins just never mixed well, and Kirk Cousins tried to befriend him, and RG3 just wasn't having it. Now, you got to understand, he was the second pick in the draft, so of course, if you draft a quarterback in the fourth round, it's like, wait a minute, am I a franchise quarterback or am I just going to get pulled when I make a mistake and this guy's going to start over me? And that's exactly what happened with Jay Gruden. So you got to look at it as he was competitive. Now, I think if he goes behind an offensive line that will protect him and, you know, wide receivers that actually look at him as a, as a weapon, you know, to get them the ball, I think he'll be fine. But I'll take RG3, who, who had a great rookie season and just kind of fell, fell out from there. But Colin Kaepernick, to me, is, is damaged goods. Unless I'm bringing in Jim Harbaugh to coach my team, I'm not bringing in Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like – it's so hard. I like a little bit of everything that those each of these guys do, but it's so hard to hand over the reins of your starting quarterback, the most important position on the field, to a guy who's been hurt. They've both been hurt over the past year and a mm-hmm. half. So – it's like yeah it's like i mean i like what denver did bringing in sanchez but he can't be your starter i i like that if the jets sign uh rg3 but he really can't be your starter and if rg3 goes down if you're the jets are you ready to give the team to, to bryce petty geno smith baby oh god i get it again i will i will burn every piece of jets anything that i own and finally give my loyalty for the giants i will i'll have to <laughs> come on give geno smith the chance no nope. decent he had a decent preseason remember that yeah. he- yeah. Remember the first couple of weeks of the preseason, he didn't throw an interception. I mean, if he didn't get punched in his face, who knows? You'd be talking about Geno Smith as a, as a hero, not a zero. Yeah, the, right? the, the, for, yeah, well, we would, but probably the best thing that happened for the Jets last year was Geno Smith getting punched in the face. And I'm sorry to say that, <laughs> but it's true. Because Fitzpatrick would not have been the quarterback, the starting quarterback, just the way that things were playing out. I mean, speak, speaking of Fitzpatrick, I mean, the guy went to Harvard. I would assume his agent has done a pretty good job with him because he actually once upon a time had a long-term deal on the table, and he squandered it, by the way, with Buffalo under Chan Gailey, I'll add. But uh, he's overplaying his hand. I feel like he, you know, he's overestimating his his market value. I mean, the Broncos checked in with Fitzpatrick, reports say, from Adam Schefter, and they said that he was too expensive. So my thing is, what is Fitzpatrick... Or his agent? What are they? What are they expecting? I guess they're expecting Sam Bradford money because Sam Bradford got paid as a mediocre quarterback, and Fitzpatrick kind of reinvigorated the team, got them to ten wins, didn't make the playoffs, but he melt, he had a meltdown against the Buffalo Bills the last week of the season. But he's saying, "Hey, I deserve to be paid. I had to, I'm just coming off the best season of my career." But I think that people underestimate his age and people feel like, okay, if I do sign this guy, he's only going to be in for another two years. And he's had his best season under Chan Gailey. How's he going to do under my offense? So I told people beforehand that Fitzpatrick needs to swallow his pride, 
and just resign with the Jets for the $10 million or whatever they're offering him. Now, they kind of disrespected him. They offered him Chase Daniel money, which I think is lowballing it. But, I mean, he's not worth 14 to $16 million. He's not worth Sam Bradford money. I mean, if you're only going to have him for two more years. So Fitzpatrick needs to think about his options, which to me seems to only be the Jets. And just resign. You know, resign for the $10 million, whatever it is they're going to offer you. Not Chase Daniel money, but, you know, not, not Sam Bradford money either. Somewhere in between. Yeah, I think Fitzpatrick is smarter than we're all giving him credit for because Fitzpatrick has always been the guy it's all or nothing. And Fitzpatrick was mostly all last year, but unfortunately was nothing when the Jets needed him most. And I think deep down inside, him and his people know that we may go back to the days of when he was with the Bills. He may go back to having that season where he only wins you six, seven games. So he's trying to cash in. And like you say, money in buckets, uh, he wants to get paid because this that may have been it last year. He may have left it all on the table. And I, I kind of give the Jets props for this because why would you want to sign a 33-year-old guy to a three-year contract when he's really only had one great season? I would personally rather go out and sign someone else for a year, you know, RG3 with an incentive-leading contract, and and hope and put my my stock in Bryce Petty, a guy who's you know young, has is not an injury prone type of guy, and you don't know what he can do. But again, he Fitzpatrick is going to hold out. Uh, I still think the best spot for him, besides going back to the Jets, would have been the Broncos because of the team that he has built around them, and he's you know he's kind of similar in a lot of ways to what Osweiler could do. Uh, he can move, he can he can throw on the run, he can you know can purely just. Be a, be a be a a kind of a linchpin to the next guy, whoever that's going to be. Obviously, Denver needs to draft somebody this year, but yeah, he's kind of cutting his nose off despite his face, and uh, he'll go somewhere. It might be the L.A. Rams for all we know, and and then that's just oh that's gosh. bad for everybody, and especially him. So he's going back to Saint. He's going back to well, Los Angeles. Y- y- yeah, well, he's going back to the Rams. Now in Los Angeles. It's, you know what? It's very possible. It, it all seems to come full circle at the end. And, you know, they'll, they'll take them. They'll take them for a year or two uh, unless they really think that the options are, are better with Nick Foles or uh, – Kingdom. Phew, man, there's some really poor quarterback playing in the NFL. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, on to a player who could be seeking a rebirth. We briefly mentioned Mark Sanchez. With Denver Broncos, uh, Dak Prescott, who was sought after by the Broncos, who was scouted, and he he was busted on a DUI. Considering considering the possibilities, do you think Mark Sanchez could start if if let's let's say the Denver Broncos don't draft a, a ready quarterback and they don't wind up with Kaepernick or RG three? What is Dak short for? First of all. I have no idea, but it should be short for silly because how can you get arrested right before you're going into a football camp to showcase your skill? I don't—I mean— Dak should be dunce right now. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And and as far as Marky Sanchez is concerned, um, man, I really – I thought he was the answer with the Jets so many years ago when they traded up <laughs> to the, you know, grab him. But yeah, it's okay. It's a step – it's definitely a step below Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, it's better than Case Keenum and Nick Foles. I'll give him that. But, yeah, this you can't, you can't be the Super Bowl defending champions and trot out Mark Sanchez as your quarterback. I mean, he's good in a pinch. He's good. That year he, for, for the Eagles, when, when everybody went down, he was good. He was really good. And that's fine. If you have to play Mark Sanchez, you have to play him. But to just depend on this guy when you're probably going to be opening up Thursday night football, possibly against New England, oh, man. Wait, wow. Oh. 
Wow. Isn't that where? Isn't that the same team where the butt fumble happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The butt fumble. Man, I mean, fumble. <laughs> I mean, I hate to talk about it. I mean, I was on Twitter yesterday and I spoke about Sanchez and I said the butt fumble play is very overstated. It was one play. Sanchez actually has a four and two postseason record. He actually threw nine touchdowns and three interceptions in those postseason games. So, he's not a scrub. And people no. go, oh, butt fumble, butt fumble. He went to two AFC Championship games. Yes, with with a, with a not so great Jets team with Rex yes. Ryan, the, the the foot connoisseur. I mean, yes. he did a lot with not much around him, but he might have that might have been it. Uh, you know, this is the Brian Fitzpatrick thing. That might have been it, and it's a it was a good trade for a seventh round pick. Good trade, but you have to you have to back yourself up. Just like you have to have two running backs, you almost have to have two starting quality quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a different NFL than when you and I were kids. When our you know when our fathers and uncles were, were young, it's a different. It's a passing <laughs> league now, so you have to have a guy to step in if Sanchez can't do it. So where are they going, John Elway? Come on, man. If you need to get st- strap on a number seven jersey, something's got to go on. Because you- oh, gosh. Yeah. No, yeah. He's- All right. I'm just dreaming. But still. Yeah, you're dreaming. Why, what- why not Peyton Manning just come back out of retirement? Well, clearly yeah. he shouldn't have retired. And you know what? You may you may still see the sheriff there. But, I mean, that's 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 a long ways away. I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll have to worry about that too much. But, again, something else needs to happen. So well, I guess we'll let time play itself out. Now, the next thing that I have a problem with, and I, but unfortunately I think you are all about it because he's the same size as you, is Nate Robinson <laughs> trying to become the first NBA NFL two-way athlete. He played wide receiver and was a punt returner like 65 years ago at the University of Washington. <laughs> And he was a mediocre point guard who won a couple slam dunk competitions, even though that one year he took like 42 attempts. Dunks. Yeah, so whatever. But he had two picks, or he was a, he had returned six kicks for 103 yards, whatever. This was 2002. This was a long time ago. Do you see your fellow... Short man. Short man uh, <laughs> possibly making it in the NFL. And no, he's not Darren Sproles. Okay, I'll say this, right? I think teams should just do it for the history. Oh. I mean, I mean, do it for the history. Come on. I, I don't think he can actually make a team because at this point he's just too old. Yeah. And teams are just not going to take him seriously at any position, even as a kick punt returner. He's just not equipped. I mean, he's played in, in the NBA. He was overseas. And he hasn't, as you say, he hasn't played football since, like, 2002. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was like one of the greatest talents. He was pretty good. He was decent. But this is this is how many years? It was fourteen years ago. So he doesn't have it to make it an NFL. But I think a team. I mean, I mean, the NBA has these ten day contracts. I mean, get the guy in for a week and see what he can do. I mean, he's got heart. I mean, he showed that, and he he had he actually has an interest in playing in the NFL. I heard he's putting out these workout tapes to show that he's still in shape, and I don't doubt that he's still in shape. I just think teams aren't going to look toward him for anything. I mean, especially at cornerback at this time when the league has bigger wide receivers. I mean, again, you said it. He's he's about the same height as me. Yeah. And those wide receivers are just going to tower over him. I mean, you got Sammy Watkins, the the Julio Jones, and people like that in there. They're just they're just going to catch passes over him unless he plays in the slot. Now, his only real chance would be at maybe kick punt returner, but again, he would have to really show something in a training camp to get a job. 
But again, do it for do it for the novelty. Yeah, I mean, he'll be the first player to do it. Do it for the YouTube clips of him getting destroyed by a strong <laughs> safety that will live on in infamy, like when Jadavian Clowney destroyed that guy from Michigan. Please, hey, at least he'll you tried. Yeah, you know? do it, do it, man. Yeah, you know what? I got more power to you if you can actually make this happen. You know, I would, I would. Chances slim to none, but you know what the heck, my man, do your thing, do your thing. You know. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for you, Nate Robinson, as a fellow guy under six feet tall. I am rooting for you to do it. Under five, like under five nine, up. under five nine. Let's be real. Uh, no, no. I mean, with Tim's on five nine and a half. Tim's. Let's let's be clear can, on that. Can one. he wear Tim's on the field? I don't think so. <laughs> why, why not? He might have to if he wants to play cornerback. Seriously. Well, enough about small people. Talk about some big fellas. My, uh, I would say my maybe my second favorite time of year is finally upon us. We mentioned earlier it's Selection Sunday. March Madness starts this week. Mo, I don't know how big of a, a college hoop head you are. I mean, I, I was probably bigger, you know, back when I was in high school and college myself, but I still follow it, especially this time of year. I watched pretty much the entire ACC tournament. Um, who, who, you, who do you got? I mean, flat out, who are you rooting for? I mean, flat out, I got, I got the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, they got three three of the top players are older older guys. I mean, Perry, Perry Ellis is a senior. Wayne Selden Jr. and Frank Mason are both juniors. But I, I feel like uh, experience is gonna win out here. I know you you probably like North Carolina, but um, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be one of those blue blood NCAA tournaments. And Jay Williams said this too that it's set up so that the teams that you normally look at are probably gonna be in the Final Four. I I know Kentucky is not as good as they were last year, obviously because they were trying to run the table. But North Carolina is still the top of the bracket. I mean, West Virginia is still at the top. Michigan State with Denzel Valentine. And my favorite pick, Kansas, to win it at the top of the bracket. And you saw, again, you saw North Carolina win win their tournament last night. So I feel like it's going to come down to the teams that we usually expect. You're going to have some upsets, of course, somewhere in between. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the actual championship, it's going to be something like North Carolina, Kansas, or something like that. So who's, who's your number one seed, then? My number one seed, I, I feel like Kansas. I don't know how it's going to shake out Selection Sunday, but I got Kansas, North Carolina, Getting definitely getting some one seeds. I'm not really sure about the other two, but I know those two definitely will get in the final four. There'll be one seeds in their bracket. Yeah, I got those two, and then I also like Oregon and uh, Virginia. Virginia. Oh, they. I forgot all about Virginia. I. I mean, Virginia. I just don't see. I just for some reason I just don't see it from them. No, I wasn't overly impressed. You know, I mean, they played Carolina pretty close. Obviously, Carolina stuck around just, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more tenacity under the basket. And, and last night, Virginia just missed a ton of shots, a ton of open shots, three-pointers. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of all over the place. But, I, I, again, I think that's Carolina's uh, senior leadership with Marcus Page and those type of guys. I mean, those guys just played – they played their, their butts off. A lot of heart on that team. I'm really impressed with this Carolina squad. I, I haven't seen a lot uh, – I haven't seen this for, you know, since – since their last title run a couple years ago so it's nice to see uh i think it'll be i think it'll be an interesting tournament uh you know again you always got to watch those 12-5 matchups and obviously we'll get into it more next week once we see what the brackets look like uh you know and you will see what happens to duke are they you know perennially they seem to get knocked out if they don't win the championship they get knocked out early so i think this is the year that they get knocked out early because last year obviously they won it with Jalil okafor and all those guys so it'll just be there's a lot of a lot of transition a lot going on but yeah i i if Carolina Carolina doesn't win it. I'll be very, uh, I'll be very depressed, and you won't be able to talk to me for a couple weeks. 
<laughs> a couple of things to add. Uh, if I don't give a shout-out to Purdue and Butler, uh, Laura Bowman will probably have my head on a stick. So shout-out to my friend in Indiana. She wanted me to pull for Purdue and Butler, and hopefully they, they make some noise because they had, they had some good seasons, but we'll see. Uh, I would like to see my alma mater actually make it and do well one year at St. John's. Shout out to St. John's Johnny's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, I mean, 8-24 under Chris Mullen, I know he's gone back to his alma mater and trying to reinvigorate that program, and it hasn't happened yet, but give him some time. Give him a little time, and St. John's will be back. You know, I know we're we're not back to the Ron Artest, Mark Jackson days yet, but we'll, we'll get back there. Just you wait. We'll get a championship. We'll hang a banner. Um, but watch out for Seton Hall. I like Isaiah Whitehead. Of course, he's a Brooklyn product, so I'm I'm keeping an eye on him. And he had a spectacular tournament, spectacular season. And Seton Hall could make some noise. I don't know if they make it to the Final Four, but I would give them the Elite Eight as a surprise team that wow. people people have forgotten about Seton Hall over the years. And yeah, well, he's, 19, he's really lit that program up. 1993 was the last time that they were in the uh, the BES <laughs> Championship game. So very impressive. I, I actually have a, a distant cousin, Danny Calandrello, who used to play for uh, Seton Hall many, many years ago. So, you know what? Hey, we'll throw some support behind the... Uh, what are they, the Pirates? Is it the Pirates, Seton Hall? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. It's the Penzance Pirates. Very nice. Love it. Love the blue. Way to go there. But uh, it'll be a great tournament. Tune in. We'll keep you posted. And uh, we got a lot more coming for you. We actually have a, a new segment headed your way yes. right now. A uh, little play on word just called Building Momentum. And uh, we'll explain a little bit more as soon as we get back. It's now time for Building Momentum. Mo, yeah. what is going on with uh, LeBron James and Mr. Kyrie Irving? Well, what I what I feel is going on here is no, well, number one, the Cleveland Cavaliers are bored with the season. They know that they're going to probably make the NBA Finals. The only team that could come in between them and the finals is probably the Boston Celtics, and they're probably one or two stars away, as we spoke about in previous podcasts. But I think the team is just restless. I mean, you got LeBron Instagramming, tweeting cryptic messages, talking about you know making mistakes, and he was in Miami when he said it. And people were reading into his his social media profiles and tweets and messages of that matter and it's just like that's just cut through the hoopla when it gets to the playoffs they'll get serious and we will we'll forget about this but one thing to understand is that keep in mind this is supposed to be Kyrie Irving's team before LeBron got there sure. this is supposed to be a rebuilding project with Kyrie Irving as the centerpiece now he has to share the stage with Kevin Love and LeBron James of course he has to take a back seat and I don't see LeBron leaving so Kyrie's looking at it, looking at it like, well, half half of my career, I'm going to have to serve as the Robin to LeBron's Batman. So when you when you hear about chemistry issues between the two, I feel like it's it could be on the court stuff, but it could be a little bit off the court stuff with Kyrie's attitude. I don't know Kyrie, but you know, sources say he could be a little prickly at times, and that could you know rub people the wrong way. And LeBron is is the guy, the alpha male team. So when you have two guys that are alpha males battling. That, that's going to cause a riff. But, of course, um, Cleveland Cavaliers will be fine once they get to the playoffs. They'll go to the NBA Finals, and they will lose to probably the San Antonio Spurs or the Golden State Warriors. But I don't know how, how you feel about that, Mike. Yeah, it's just uh, another strange situation. Oh, 
pretty much all the moves the Cavaliers have, have done over the past two years have not really meshed very well. I mean, Kevin Love, everybody that they got from the Knicks, uh, the, I mean, the Mozgov trade. I mean, we could just go on not getting Joe Johnson, which obviously perturbed LeBron because he says he was willing to play the four. He says he would have, what do he say, trade his mama for a championship? Yeah. So, yeah. hey, the man is passionate. I wouldn't trade my mama for a championship, but whatever. <laughs> you know, but hey, it's to each his own. But, uh, yeah, this team, this team is, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, I'm bored with it. So it's hard, it's hard to stay, uh, hard to stay up, I guess. But again, you're getting paid a whole lot of money. This is your job. So those things really shouldn't come out in, in the news. Uh, I do see LeBron leaving because he's done this before. I mean, all of these cryptic tweets and, and uh, you know, special edition reports on ESPN, it's getting as old as their Carmelo Anthony thing. So, yeah. but I, it would be crazy if he left because, again, you know, I, this is where I want to be. You know, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to finish my career here. But again, if, if those are the things you said last year, why why is everything, you know, pointing to the opposite direction now? And the biggest problem I have is, you know, he, he went to Miami on, a, on an off day to hang out with his boy, Dwayne Wade. And, mm-hmm. and why is it okay that Dwayne Wade took a step back, a backseat to LeBron when he when LeBron came to Miami and, and Kyrie Irving can't? Kyrie Irving is, is a nice, really nice player. He's a lot younger than Dwayne Wade was, but Dwayne Wade had a championship before LeBron got there. Kyrie didn't. I don't even think Kyrie made the playoffs before LeBron got to Cleveland. So, so you know, this isn't all on LeBron. This is on the the front the front office. This is on a guy like Kyrie. Uh, they need to kind of look deep down within themselves and decide what's really important. Is it is the ego more important? Is uh, is winning a championship more important? Like. Where do we go? Like, when you think about it, I I don't blame Kyrie so much. I kind of understand why he has a a bit of a a beef with this because you got to say, like you said, Dwayne Wade won a championship. So when you win a championship and you spent your whole career in one NBA city, you're like, hey, if LeBron comes in, I can take a backseat because he could be the best player on the court, but I still own the city. So, yeah, I'm taking a backseat to him on the court, but it's still my city. It's still Dwayne Wade's town. With Kyrie, it's kind of different because he's younger. He hasn't done much. So he, it's kind of like saying, well, you wouldn't be able to do it without LeBron. This is not your team. And remember, before LeBron got there, it was supposed to be his team. When you're a younger guy, you want to kind of establish yourself as the guy. You want your own legacy. Basically, if the, if the Cleveland Cavaliers win, Kyrie's legacy is going to be tied to LeBron. LeBron's going to overshadow him if they win. It's, oh, LeBron brought us a championship. It's not going to be, oh, Kyrie brought us a championship. It's going to be, oh, LeBron left South Beach and saved us. And Kyrie, I think, wants a piece of that. You know, he wants some notoriety, too. You want someone to pat you on the back and say, yeah, I had something to do with this. No, I, 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 blame Kyrie. I get that. No, and, it, it, you know, the egos is a thing that we all have. But, like I said, Kyrie is not going to win an NBA championship, not not the caliber of player he is now. He's a very, very good player. But if you take away LeBron at away from that team – they're a four or five seed. I mean, it's just the way it's just the way it is. And I just don't I just don't get where he really where does he want to go? It, does he want to get traded? I mean, he's a Jersey kid. Does he want to go play for the Knicks? Does he really think that he's going to make uh, win an NBA title with the Knicks? I mean, what? what Trust did, me, if, I, if he wants to come to the Knicks, I will welcome him. With I, absolutely, up. as would I. And then I, I'd have a I'd have a Kyrie uh, Kyrie jersey on. But again, like, what does he want out of this? We we know LeBron wants to win a title for Cleveland. But what is what does Kyrie want? Somebody because I'm sure Kyrie, when he was approached by the the organization, oh yeah, I want LeBron. Yeah, I, everybody wants LeBron. But now you don't want LeBron. Now you want now you want to be your own. 
man. You Sometimes you gotta you gotta be careful what you ask. Yeah, for, totally. I think that's what happened to Kyrie. Absolutely, absolutely. And like you said, they'll they'll make they'll make the they'll make the finals. They will get bounced, uh, and then we'll be talking about this all summer. Who's gonna get traded? You I know? think Kyrie is the one that's gonna be the one to leave. That that's that's a dangerous move because Kyrie's in his mid twenties and and LeBron's gonna be what thirty one so that's a that's a risky that's a risky proposition for Cleveland because they could they could be rest- they could be restarting in the entire organization come next year without a guy like Kyrie. Here's an idea: Why don't you let Kyrie go? Let him have his place wherever he wants to go. Bring in Mike Conley, who's who doesn't demand as much scoring, doesn't demand as much uh, you know notoriety as Kyrie. And you let Mike Conley run the point, LeBron, you have love, and same the same type of roster, just without Kyrie, you know, without two alpha males battling, Conley is not an alpha male type, he's not the guy that's going to say, I want it to be my team. He's up there in his career, he wants to win a championship, obviously, spending time with the Grizzlies, so I think it would be a good move for, for Conley to go to Cleveland. Yeah, I like that, I like that trade, and as, uh, as my assistant general manager, I think, uh, I think I would sign off on that deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Onto onto a player who who's trying to go to New York now, Dwight Howard actually mentioned that he would want to play for the Knicks after he uh, gets out of his deal with Houston Rockets. Now, me personally, I don't see the fit because you got Robin Lopez already there playing the five in the middle. Why would you need Dwight Howard and Robert Lopez unless you're going to trade Robin Lopez? Which I don't see why you would do that because. Dwight Howard can't play back-to-backs. He has a host of injuries. He's not as serious player as, as other players have said around the league. And do you really want Dwight Howard and Carmelo Anthony on the, on the court together on the same team? Uh, yeah, at this point, I would, just because according to everything that I read, the Knicks still feel that there's a lot of value in Dwight, that he's going to attract people to want to come to New York, and that he is a perfect fit with a guy like Porzingis because Porzingis stretches the floor, and if they can just get Dwight to play defense and score 12 points a game, it's a lot more than Robin Lopez is given on a consistent nightly basis. And we already heard that they were they were even talking to possibly trading Robin Lopez at the trade deadline to to clear up some salary space because we're gonna, the Knicks are clearly going to be over the salary cap if and when all these contracts that they gave to guys like Afalo and uh, and Williams if they actually exercise their player options. So. That I've already read multiple reports from Frank Isola saying the Knicks are going to completely revamp their roster once again. Didn't we do this last year? Yeah, we did this last year, and I don't want to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but 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 that's the problem. Is as long as Carmelo is on the team and making ridiculous amount of money, they're going to at least have to continually have a roster turnover until something works because he's going to continue to complain, and the Knicks are going to continue to lose if if at least we don't pick up one or two pieces that like the Cleveland Cavaliers, can mesh. Because it doesn't matter how many superstars you put on the floor. If they don't play well together, it doesn't matter. And it's funny because a couple podcasts ago, I actually mentioned Dwight back to Orlando, and there was an entire report in the Orlando Sentinel this week that said Dwight should come home because obviously Orlando has kind of cleared out the entire front office of when Dwight was here and the fact that the Magic need a defensive presence at the center position and where else is, and they said where else is Dwight going to go where is he going to go that he's going to be the man and and get paid the way he wants to get paid there's very well, few places well Mo's got some solutions he can oh, go to Dallas okay. I mean is that, does Dallas have a guy in the middle that can defend I mean Zaza Pachulia is not a defender at the rim I mean he's probably a backup center at this point in his career at most so he can go to Dallas and you know soak up the whiskey's 
final years in the league, or he can go to Portland and, and pair it with a dynamic backcourt with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. So I think those two spots are, are good for a guy like Dwight Howard who can play defense and, and man the center grabs and rebounds. Yeah, I like I like the Dallas move. I think that would be, I think Mark Cuban would be more than happy to have him there. And, you know, I don't think he would upset the apple cart too much. You stay in Dallas, you stay where there's, uh, you know, the taxes are, are just right for a player making that much money. So, yeah, it's- I, I don't see New York just, either. Just, just important note for Dwight Howard: if you're gonna commit to Dallas, make sure it's a full commit because you don't want a DeAndre Jordan situation where players have to, you know, lock you up in your house and yeah, you the door and keep you from Mark Cuban. Yeah, so. no responding be emojis either. Okay, we don't play that game. <laughs> we some grown ass men. All right, let's let's keep it real. All right, uh, Chandler Parsons, he'll he'll find you. He will find you. Oh yeah. That's, Absolutely. that's the real deal. Well, uh, the one thing that I that I have to finally say, and, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're all about, it seems like, teams that are kind of ruining careers right about now. And, oh and yeah, I mean, I don't want to harp on Carmelo because I still, I still love him deep down. But he wants, he wants a point guard. We know that. I've been saying the Knicks need a point guard for years, years. And it's just contradictory to what... They say about the triangle. We don't need a we don't need a we don't need a point guard who scores in the triangle. Well, you know what? According to all the reports out there, everybody says the triangle's done. And maybe it is. Yeah. It's a different type of NBA. When you can shoot from 33 feet like Steph Curry, you don't need the triangle. So what does Carmelo say? He wants he wants Rajon Rondo, who has actually totally revitalized his career in Sacramento. Now, I don't know if he'll actually leave Sacramento because it seems like they got a nice young nucleus, but I could be wrong. Now, is Carmelo going to get what he wants, Mo? He shouldn't. I mean, I don't want Carmelo Anthony making my personnel moves. I'm sorry, Carmelo, but you should stick to the court, number one. And I don't want Rajon Rondo. I mean, I understand he's had a revitalized season over there in Sacramento, but he's still he's still doing little knucklehead things. Like, I was watching NBA TV the other day, and he didn't want to inbound the ball. The referee passes him the ball, he looks at it, and just ignores it. And he had, a, like, a delayed game penalty, which I haven't seen in the NBA for years. You see that in the NFL, but not the NBA. And... Rajon Rondo, I mean, his attitude, like, he has a talent, but I just don't want that. I don't want that knuckleheadedness on my next team next to Carmelo Anthony and if you got young players around him. I just don't want that influence there. Yes, he's a talent, but he just doesn't have the mental makeup that I want to build a championship team. Just doesn't have it. Yeah, I just kind of feel Carmelo at this point is just kind of uh, reaching for straws. Yeah, he just wants anybody and everyone that's willing to come to the Knicks that has a, has a name attached that people actually can say, oh, I've heard of that guy. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's just kind of desperation mode. I'm more than likely, he'll get Rondo. Maybe he'll even get Dwight Howard, and maybe we'll have you know the highest salary cap uh, luxury tax ever. That's you know in, been in the NBA. I really don't know. It's really it's hard to be a Knicks fan right now because every time you think they're they're on the right track with a guy like Porzingis, they 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 just go out and they sign guys who are just have you know bloated salaries who are back to not really reaching their potential. So. Absolutely. Well, well. speaking of bloated salaries, uh, this whole Kobe Bryant farewell tour is going on, and, and everyone's starting to say, well, Kobe seems like a nice guy. Well, ESPN reporter Shelly Smith said no one is buying it. As far as the media is concerned, people aren't buying Kobe's nice guy in the media. And I, who, who watched you know the NBA over the past you know year or so, I'm not buying it either. Because Kobe is not the fun-loving guy you see. I mean, he's, he's cuddly now because... 
He's leaving. He's retiring. I mean, why would you not be happy if you're Kobe Bryant? You're the highest paid player in the league and you're about to retire and you are the player you were five, six years ago, but yet you're still the highest paid. So, I mean, think about it. Um, when you work at a job, I've worked for the city for 10 years, right? And there are old crotchety people who work at the, for the city and they're there for 30 years and they don't talk to anybody and they're very prickly. But the minute you throw them a retirement party, Oh, they're dancing, they're smiling, they're shaking hands with you. They want to talk to you. And it's like, yeah, because they 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 realize that the tunnel is coming. The end of the tunnel is coming. They get to retire. They go out. They get to have the rest of their lives to, to do what they want. And that's what Kobe's looking at. He's like, well, I put in my time. I have my rings. What else is there left to fight for? I mean, I should go out smiling. I don't have to be prickly. I don't have to be... I mean, certain things here and there, he's done certain things, like... Took, took up two lockers and someone in the Lakers locker room didn't have a locker because Kobe took two. <laughs> so he's still doing like these older brother, little brother type of things and he's getting away with it and he's getting paid. So why not smile and be happy as you go out? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's just Kobe being Kobe. Speaking of old crotchety people, Hall of Fame relief pitcher Goose Gossage is saying he doesn't like celebrating in baseball. He called people who are ruining baseball rotisserie nerds. And he, he's just not for it. He called out Joey Batista for his postseason bat flip in the Game 5 ALDS series against the Texas Rangers. Now, he also mentioned Yoannis Cespedes as a person who may showboat a little too much. Now, Batista didn't, he didn't agree with Gossage's comments, and he says he respects him for what he's done for the game. And around the same time, Bryce Harper came out and said, baseball is an old, tired sport. Now, I, I don't watch baseball as closely as you, Mike. Do you see the culture needing a, a shift a little bit as far as celebratory purposes? Well, first of all, I like that uh, Cespedes, when he, he came out and said, uh, did, did Gossage play baseball? Was he a, was he a pitcher? Was he a pitcher? Uh, yes, he was. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's funny because uh, he, you know, again, I'm 32. I've I've watched a lot of baseball over the years. Bryce Harper's 22. So there's you know there's a 10 year gap there. Uh, I can see both sides of the argument. I don't necessarily again if I'm on the field and Joey bats blasts a home run. I'm upset to begin with, but if I see a guy flip a bat like, you know, like a javelin in the Olympics, yeah, I'm going to be pissed. And there are those unwritten rules that the next time he gets up, he gets plunked. You know, he's not going to hit, you know, nobody should ever hit anybody in the head or any body part that's going to hurt. But I've gotten hit on purpose in the butt. You know, I, it, it stings. It's just it is one of those unwritten rules. And that's what Bryce Harper is all about. He's saying those are tired. Those are old school. And again, maybe baseball does need to get with the times. OK, I'm not saying that, you know, we should we should uh, have a, a new thing where we can see who throws the furthest bat flip. Like, no, I'm not talking about that. But these are new players. Bryce Harper's the Mike Trout's the Andrew McCutcheon. These are the guys that are exciting. But unfortunately, in the, in the society and the culture we live in, everybody wants to see what's now, what's on demand, what's on Twitter, what's on Snapchat. People aren't necessarily concerned with baseball because they, they find it boring. And the same reason that people won't watch soccer because it's, it's, oh, it's boring. It takes too long. Look, it's not for everyone. I always say, and it's never to insult any man, anybody, but it's a thinking man sport. You have to kind of, you have to kind of get ready for the next. What's going to happen next? That's why baseball players, you'll see a guy take a strike right down the middle of the plate, and he watches it, and you say, "How did he not crush that ball?" Because he was expecting something else. A 2-2 count. He was expecting a breaking ball. He wasn't expecting the changeup. So there's a lot that goes into it. And sometimes it's as simple as people just don't get it. And that's okay. But when a guy like Bryce Harper, who is could be the face of the game now at 22 years old, comes out and says these things, 
it's because his generation feels that way. And, you know, Joey Batista's 35. So obviously, you know, it doesn't always have to be about the age gap. It's just about the way the way society is today. So you got to take it with a grain of salt when a guy like Goose Gossage, who played in the 70s and 80s, says these things because he's not in the game to the extent that these other guys are. So, you know, it's 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 hard. I'm a rotisserie nerd. I play fantasy baseball. You know what? I'm more concerned of what you do for me on the field as far as your numbers. If you want to, if you know what, if you want to flip the bat and get crazy, then as long as you, you're okay with me doing it, that's fine. If everybody's going to do it, everybody's going to get excited, let it go. But I remember a couple years ago when Jabba Chamberlain was with the Yankees and he was at the top of his game, he used to bump his fist and get crazy. And even, even Batances does it once in a while for the Yankees now. And the Yankees have a kind of a thing, and maybe that's why the Gossage is. They kind of spoke to him. They spoke to Gossage. They spoke to Jabba, and they said, turn down the celebrations, okay? That's not what we're about. And that's fine. If your organization, your employer, the person that pays you for a living says, don't do these things, don't do these things. But if you're the Washington Nationals and you say, we love it, we want Bryce to be Bryce, we don't want it to infect, to affect his games, then so be it. I mean, I don't want anybody to get, to get plunked. I wouldn't want anybody to suffer the retribution. But again, those are those unwritten rules. The kind of, the thing if you watched last year when, they, when the playoffs, when the Mets were playing the Dodgers and Chase Utley came in and took out, uh, took out the second baseman, Ruben Tejada, and broke his leg. Okay, it's not considered a dirty play. Obviously, the guy broke his leg. He's finally back this year. But in the laws of baseball, if you're the second baseman and you and you're taking the double play turn and you're the you're the, 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 the runner. And as long as you can, you can go as far as you can left or right of the bag, as long as you can reach your arm back and touch the bag. So it's not illegal what he did. It's not illegal if you pop up slide. If you come up with your cleats and you're purposely trying to injure somebody, that's a different story. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fun of the game. And you know what? They call the NFL the no fun league. So it's not just in baseball. But, but, hey, I mean, Cam Newton's able to dance in the end zone, and, I mean, people had a problem with it after all, but some people are like, oh, it's fine. And I think it goes back to what you said, that we're in a society now where people like to self-celebrate. And, you know, we have Twitter and all these things that people like to celebrate themselves, and to me, that's fine. And in the realm of baseball, I mean, yeah, I don't want to see all baseball players do a bat flip after a home run. To me, that's a little over overdoing it. But a little celebration to me won't hurt. Goose Gossage comes off as this, you know, get off my lawn, old crotchety type of dude. But he needs to understand that we're in a different time. This isn't the time where he, you know, is relief pitching. This is this is 2016 where players are going to celebrate. You're going to have people like Bryce Harper. You're going to have people like Joey Batista, you know, flipping his bat from time to time. It's going to happen. And I understand, like you said, it's a gentleman's game and there are unwritten rules that you have to abide by. But these players, I guess, have to understand that if they're going to do these things and celebrate, there may be repercussions for it. You may get plunked. Now, my question to you, Mike, is what what uh, what got you plunked for, in baseball? For What did you do? Did you flip a bat? No, God, no. I, the only time I ever flipped a bat, and it actually was like it wasn't even on purpose. I just I, I hit a shot and I just let go of the bat and and they actually threw me out of the game and that was in high school and I totally I didn't even do it on purpose it just was a natural thing but as far as getting plunked it was my first game in college and I and I, I didn't start the game I was only a freshman and and the we had it was kind of one of those things we were just a club a team that uh like to push people's buttons and our pitcher our pitcher plunked the guy it was like the fifth inning we were up a couple runs and you know it was like ooh, and I was like okay well, I'm glad I'm not in the game because I don't want to get plunked and so we had our we had one of our our star plays at the time a senior guy come up and they pulled him out of the game because they didn't want him to get hit and he was one of those hot-headed type of guys and who do they call off the bench 
me. Mike! Yes, exactly. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> oh, God. But then, luckily, they changed the picture. Uh, they brought in this, you know, short little guy, you know, probably about, you know, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, <clears throat> Mo. And, hey, um, hey, I'm sorry. Hey. And uh, he was wild. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. Like, in the warm-ups, he was wild. So I step in the box, and what does he do? First pitch plunks me right in the rear end and i when i tell you that i wanted to cry and drop to the ground it was <laughs> i i wanted to do those things so i i dropped the bat and I, i'm like staggering trying not to fall to my knee and I'm, I'm starting to make my way to first base and, and the coach yells out don't rub it and i wanted to scream and say do you have any idea how much pain i'm in <laughs> so i get the first base and i didn't rub it and the first baseman like is smiling laughing because he knows i'm in pain and he knows why i got plunked you know it's retribution but again what am i going to do am i going to take off from the first baseline and attack the pitcher like no so i get to first base and the coach pats me on the rear end where i got plunked like ow dude really but that's what baseball's about it's 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 just it's a it's a different type of game you know what it's not a game necessarily where you can kind of uh you can't jump for joy okay it's like when you hit a home run or or you make a fantastic play in the outfield like you can do it to a certain extent and it but that and that's the thing it's just it's not like hoops where you, you shoot it you even make a three-pointer or like Allen Iverson when you shake Tyron Lue to the floor and you step over him and you stare at him it's just <laughs> it's not it's not that type of way because the action doesn't flow like that so you got to just look at it from from an outsider's perspective you know it, that's the fun of it and it's cool to see a new a new kind of regime in baseball and I'm sure they'll they'll bring their own kind of flavor to it. I mean, Jose Fernandez, two years ago, the pitcher for the Marlins, hit a home run. And we never see pitchers hit a home run. But he did. And what did he do? He did a bat flip. And as he's running around the bases, this was against the Atlanta Braves, all the players were yelling at him, expletives, yelling at him. And as he as he steps on home plate like he was Barry Bonds, so he took like a one, two, three hop, steps on the plate, Brian McCann, now with the Yankees, got in his face and Brian McCann being one of those old school guys and again he's only like 31 you know was yelling at him you know you don't respect the game you're a pitcher have some class and you know what that's fine because if Jose is gonna do it then there's got to be somebody there that if you don't you don't approve it let him know but you know what it is what it is you know what I don't necessarily agree that when there's a fight in baseball or an altercation everybody leaves uh the bullpen the the benches like it's kind of it should be kind of like basketball where you you can't leave the bench but I get I also get it to the point where there's nine guys on the field playing defense and you're the only dude on offense and then you got to worry like well am I going to get jumped so it's like that kind of a thing but yeah, there's there's like there's no it's kind of no right and wrong. So I can definitely again getting back to the main point of this. I I understand both points. I don't necessarily think Bryce Harper should have came out in ESPN the magazine airing all you know all this dirty laundry. But you know that's him, man. He's 22. No, I'm not going to tell him what to do. He's the second best ball player in the entire game, uh, and he might take exception to that. But you know Mike Trout has been doing this now three consecutive four consecutive years. He's got uh, an MVP award. He's just, you know, the guy, the guy's a real deal. And you know what? I look forward to watching these two, these two guys going at it for many, many years. And Bryce, if you're listening, uh, become a Yankee when you can, when your free agency is up. Okay. <laughs> oh, we, we got, now we have a, a Yankees assistant GM on, on, oh, on the line. Absolutely. Now. Please, please do. But uh, back onto the field, Cardinals shortstop Johnny Peralta will undergo thumb surgery. and He'll be sidelined for 10 to 12 weeks, which puts him out to around the all-star break. Now, the GM, John Moselec, 
is he's got calls for uh, from other GMs about availability on utility players and veteran shortstops, but he's not really taking calls, and I guess he's looking in-house to, you know, fill the void. So do you think he should take these calls? And what, you know, what, what should he do to, to kind of smooth this over over Peralta's injury period? Well, yeah, this is th- but this is the Cardinals' MO. This is what they do. They kind of, uh, you know, they suffered a lot of injuries over the past couple years, uh, you know, but they always seem to kind of find a guy in-house that kind of comes out of nowhere right. and at least plays well enough until that person comes back. I mean, Yadier Molina missed most of last year, and, and you know they've had people that can that can fill in. But you, the season hasn't even started yet, and you've lost your starting shortstop for ten to twelve weeks. I mean, this is going to put him out to the All Star break, and he's already going to be thirty four in May. So he's not getting any younger. And yes, he he hit two seventy five last year with seventeen home runs, but he was nearly invisible in the second part of the season. And again, that baseball is a long season; it's one hundred and sixty two regular season games. I mean, they they did try to go out and they picked up Jed Gurko from the Padres, but my biggest problem with him is that he's not a shortstop. He played second base with the Padres, and yes, I understand that it's the middle infield position. He should be able to make the transition, but that's not a given, and and Gallerco strikes out as much as you, so, and that's a lot, so you know what? But there are other options. They got Greg Garcia. They got a kid called Adelzmas Diaz who signed a four-year deal two years ago. He's a, a Cuban defector, and he actually didn't play for almost a two-year span because of the whole visa thing uh he had a decent year last year in 2015 but if i'm the general manager of the cardinals and my season hasn't even started yet and you're telling me that my my shortstop who you know what used to be an all-star is going to be out till the all-star break i'm going out and i'm making a move and and i and this has been refuted on on all the radio uh, the, the baseball talk shows because uh, eric ibar is a free agent next year as is johnny peralta uh eric ibar plays for the atlanta braves uh, and he's kind of uh He's playing. He's obviously he's played for the Los Angeles Angels for a number of years, and this guy's used to being in the playoffs. And Atlanta isn't supposed to win more than sixty games this year. They're a rebuilding club, and Atlanta has some fantastic shortstop prospects. They just got Dansby Swanson in the trade that they made with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and this kid is a real deal. I actually saw him last week play against the Mets, and he hit uh, a one-out triple in the bottom and the bottom of the ninth, and he ended up coming around to score for this uh, the game-winning run. So this kid's a real deal. So people are saying. Let's trade Eric Ibar to a team like the Cardinals. But the problem is the Cardinals do not want to spend the money because the season has yet to start and they feel like their in-house options are good enough to get them by. I don't necessarily agree with that because what happens when Ibar comes, uh, excuse me, when Peralta comes back and you're seven, eight, ten games out of first place? That's a lot to make up, especially in the middle of the season. Obviously, they're hoping that they can get by in their pitching. They're hoping that they can get by with, you know, what they have. Uh, I don't see it because uh, they did lose a lot. They lost Jason Hayward. There's a lot of fill-in positions that they're going to be going with. Yes, they got Mike Leake uh, in the in the, in the the starting rotation. You still got Michael Walker. You still got Adam Wainwright. But again, to lose a guy like that who's, uh, you know, solidifies not only your, your defense, but pretty much could be anywhere from your 3-4 or 5 hitter, that hurts. So I would make the trade. I would, you know, again, he's they're both free agents at the end of the year. I understand that when Peralta comes back, you may have an issue. Oh, where are we going to put Ibar? But worry about that in July. What about April, May, and June? So I, it's like anything. It's like any sport. If you lose your guy, you really have to. If you, I mean, unless they really feel that strongly about the people that are, that can fill in, then, then hey, you know, go for it. But me personally, knowing the game the way I do, I don't. I, I wouldn't. I, I just don't feel comfortable putting all that uh, stock into a player that's unproven. I mean, the shortstop position, arguably the most important position besides pitcher, uh, on the team. 
I mean, if, if there's any team that you could trust to, to muster up a player to fill in, wouldn't it be the St. Louis Cardinals? I mean, the team's been in the playoffs for the five five straight seasons, and it just seems like they have players just pop up and fill in. So, I mean, if there's any team out there, wouldn't it be the Cardinals that you would think can can weather the storm? Yeah, this? absolutely. It's a great point. I mean, you just look at look at their front office. They know what they're doing. I mean, look at their coach. Uh, Matheny is just a fantastic manager. I mean, he was obviously an ex-pro catcher. He knows the game inside and out. So, yeah, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. you got to say, yep, yeah, makes sense. But I would just, I, again, I'm not a Cardinal fan. I, I respect the way they play the game. Uh, so they, they arguably people say they have the best fans in the entire major leagues which maybe they do but i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be uh, a homer and say the yankees do but 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 again yeah give me you gotta gotta say all right but how long how long is too long do you wait a month until one of these guys is batting you know around 200 uh you know again you don't it's a tough division that that national league central with the cubs who everybody seems to be predicting to go to the world series and you still got the pittsburgh pirates uh you could very well finish in third place far far out of first obviously we have the wild card but again that's not really a position you want to put yourself in a one game play in at the end of the season to to move on and obviously as you saw last year the yankees put themselves in that position lost to the houston astros and that was it you're one and done that's not something i want to kind of put on my team right that was my next question is if the st louis Cardinals don't win a division who do you think could overtake them Oh well, uh, I don't really. I don't like what what Pittsburgh did. I don't think they did enough. Um, I mean, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole is one of the best uh, right-handed pitchers in baseball, but he's you know still working himself back from a little injury that he had last year. I love McCutcheon, but again, he needs a he needs a lot around him. They let they let Neil Walker go, who's now with the Mets. Uh, they're they're hoping on a, a, a you know Hung Jun Kang from uh, who who had a really good year last year. He broke his leg as well, and it was the same situation. He got taken out turning a double play, so he's still not at 100%. They let Pedro Alvarez go, who went to Baltimore. Uh, they did go out and they got Mitch Moreland to play first, and he's going to split time with uh, with uh, Mike Morse, and they still have Francisco Cervelli behind the plate. But their, their starting pitcher, their opening day starting pitcher is Francisco Liriano, and anybody that's seen Francisco pitch, again, another guy, all or nothing. He'll either strike out 10 and go 7, or he'll strike out none, walk 6, and give up 12 runs in an inning and a third. So, uh, yeah, there's just not enough. So if it's not the Cardinals, which I still think the Cardinals will contend, I still can see the Cardinals finishing, you know, in second place because they still have a really solid pitching staff and a, and a really really good bullpen you got to put your money on the cubs i mean all the money they went out and spent uh jason hayward uh, not my favorite transaction of the winter spent a lot of money on a guy who was going to play center thank goodness he's back and right bring when they brought back uh fowler but they just got so much young young studs chris bryant anthony rizzo uh you know schwarber and left you've got jorge soler and you've got uh, uh, Javier Baez on the bench. And these are kids that are 21 and 22 years old that could be starting on any other team. But they're not because they've got other kids like Addison Russell. And, and you brought they brought in uh, you know Joe Madden's favorite player in the world, Ben Zorbris, to be their second baseman. They are stacked. They've got the reigning National League Cy Young Award winner, Jake Arrieta. And they, they went out and signed John Lackey. They've got a lot of pieces. Their bullpen, mm, a little shaky. I'm not, I'm not totally sold on Hector Rondon as my closer. But again, if they that's your biggest concern worrying about the guy in the ninth inning if they can if they can have a big enough lead going into it you don't have to worry and i i feel they will get that sorted out in time because they do have pedro strop who has probably the best slider in all of baseball and rondon is fine he did save i think over 30 games last year but 
yeah, they're going to be scary. I don't see I don't see them winning uh, the National League just yet. I think you still got to overcome the Mets, got to come overcome the San Francisco Giants, the Dodgers, maybe a lot of question marks there. Washington Nationals still got a lot of potent potency on that lineup. Pitching staff's pretty solid, but I love it. There's parity, man. Everybody's got the opportunity, National League, American League, to mm-hmm. to run the table. Unlike and 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 unlike in basketball. Okay, it's just it's we know there's three teams in hoops. There's a there's 12 teams in baseball that could potentially get to the playoffs. And that's awesome because as a fan from everywhere across the country, you can honestly say we got a chance unless you're from Cincinnati or, you know, places <laughs> like that. Like even even the Miami Marlins might have a chance. They've got enough potential. It's that's a really, really cool feeling to know as a fan. And that doesn't happen very often. That's a cool feeling to say, hey, you know what? I actually want to watch baseball. Because my team could do some damage. And there's a lot of, like we said earlier, a lot of young studs in baseball that are making baseball fun to watch. Right. There you go, Mike, with the total MLB meat sandwich. The guy knows his baseball, <laughs> putting teams on notice and giving you something to look forward to it as the season comes underway in April. So there you go. Uh, we'll have a wrap-up and an interesting topic to talk about. We'll see you soon. This is... The wrap up. So here we go with the wrap up. I mean, we all grown up with sports. If you listen to the show, obviously you have grown up liking sports, and we all have our favorite or most memorable sports moment. And and that could be a lot of things from baseball to basketball to football to UFC to boxing to whatever it is. But right now we're just gonna ask Mike, what is your most memorable moment? Whether it be watching at home at an event with a family member or anything else in between man this is tough there's so many so many great things that i've seen uh over the years i mean the one that comes to mind really quick is uh is aaron boone uh hitting that playoff home run off of tim wakefield i remember just sitting there with my entire family and just going nuts i mean i think <laughs> i mean it was fine i think my dad was shedding tears it was just it's just one of, one of those like awesome things to witness i mean uh watching watching the uh the super bowl a couple of years ago with the giants and the patriots and oh, yeah. e- eli manning coming back and throwing that ball to david tyree catching on top of his helmet it was kind of like nobody gave nobody gave the giants a chance to actually you know, uh, uh, hang with the hang with the Patriots, let alone win it. I mean, I, I can remember clear as day watching Michael Jordan the flu game against Utah, crossing over Byron Russell and hitting that shot. It was just, I mean, there's so many amazing things. And again, these are all ones that I've seen on 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 TV. Obviously, you know, I, I haven't seen uh, as many fantastic things happen in 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 live action. But but you know, there's just it doesn't really matter. You know, when you're when you're in it. You have a story to tell, and that's that's really what the beauty of, of sports is in general. Just being being there, you know. Obviously, it's 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 better. You know, we can say arguably it's better when you're there in person, but you still have that memory, and you still have that that like wow, I was a part of that. I mean, I even remember in ninety was it ninety three when uh, the whole OJ thing went down. I remember watching it on TV, not really knowing what I was watching at the time, but knowing OJ Simpson was a football player at one time, and the white Bronco chase. Mm-hmm. And you just stole my thunder there, by the way. Yeah. I was just going to say that. I was going to go there with that. That OJ Bronco chase was memorable for me. I remember sitting in my living room with the plastic on the sofa, waiting for my dad to come pick me up. Rest in peace to him. But he was coming to pick me up. And I remember um, watching this on TV, and it's basically on a split screen between the Knicks getting, you know, the Knicks game and OJ. And I was like, wow, what's going on here? And it, it kind of piqued my interest in sports and news together because here you have 
uh, an NBA event, NBA finals, and then you have a real life situation beyond sports. And you figure a lot of these sports figures cross beyond the sports boundaries into real life, and we get to know who they are as people. You have the O.J. Simpson versus the People uh, TV series going on now. And a lot of these players and athletes, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, they've done things outside of sports that, that get your interest in them. Like, what are they doing outside? What is their life like? Because we want to know our athletes. So many of us see our athletes on TV, but what are they like in real life? And that O.J. thing kind of gets you into what he what was going on in his life albeit it was a negative event but you're like wow what's going on here i didn't know he was an nfl player at the time and that's part of the reason they covered him so much but it's interesting to see how sports crosses into real life and and we always end this podcast saying you know without sports there's no life and they kind of intertwine in a lot of in a lot of instances where you see things happen off the court off the field outside of the arena and it's interesting to see how how it just crosses into each other and how athletes become larger than life in a sense. Yeah, and that, it's even the same when you know we we're told by you know our our dads and our uncles like oh you, the, good, the good old days you know when I when I my dad always used to tell me when I get on the train with my friends and we used to go to Yankee Stadium for double headers and I got to see Mickey Mantle mm-hmm. and Roger Maris and you know or watch Muhammad Ali play you know on 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 TV and it's just like. And then you get the opportunity to watch him on, you know, the old the old videos that are still around. Either it's on YouTube or ESPN Classic, and it's like, wow, you really it's it's just such a great, fantastic form of entertainment that you can get sucked into. And you know, we find that in all different forms of entertainment, whether it's movies or television or or hopefully podcasts, you know, whatever it might be, it's just that's really the beauty of it is that so many people can take so many things away, and that's why it relates to all the things we're talking about, whether it's Bryce Harper or Goose Gossage and the way that they they played the game and the way people interpret it today it just it just so much and that's what it is it's up for debate and at least as long as people are talking about it it's still relevant and even if baseball is struggling on the you know and actually last year it had its highest uh, tv ratings and highest attendance in in many years so it, it, things are on the upswing and as long as people are talking about it it will stay in in the national spectrum and you know what people will still care because at the, you know really Sports is just a way to escape, just the way any entertainment is. And with all the crazy things that go on in the world, if you can go to a game and you can, you know, regardless of what you spend, if you can go have a good time, get some food, and three hours clear your mind and not let you worry about, you know, the things that may be going on in your life that are a little, little difficult or the crazy things that go on in the world, if you, it's an escape, if you can do that and get that, you're very fortunate. And that's what we hope to continue to provide with this podcast. You know, take us with you. You can obviously download us now on iTunes. Just go to iTunes, type Mike and Mo show you can it's free which is you know the best thing in the world and you know we can give you a little bit of insight make you think make you talk make you you know start a conversation no matter what it is about if we can start a conversation to make life a little bit easier uh you know then great then we did our job and don't be afraid to reach out to us on social media, Mike Most Show on Twitter, Mike Most Show on Facebook. If you got something to say, if you don't like the way we covered something, if if Mike or I made a mistake, because we are human, we do make mistakes. So if you got a topic you want to discuss, just you know, send it out on, in a tweet or a Facebook message, whatever you'd like to do. Yeah, I don't I don't make mistakes, but I mean, if Mo makes a mistake, <laughs> perfect, if way, Mo though. makes a mistake and you want to let him have it, man, he deserves it. I mean, he's, hey, yeah, I mean, because I'll debate with you on Twitter all day. Yeah, he really will. I've tried like, to keep up something. and it's not working. So, <laughs> like, I, I'm like, man, this guy talks every to everybody. He's got like 106 uh, little heart thingies that people like what he says about the Oakland Raiders, and I'm like, man, I wish I was like Mo. 
Uh, you know, we, we can all try. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, you, you, if you, I'll teach you. You know what? If we, oh. we can have a sit down, we can have a Twitter tutorial, a social media class. Oh, and, I like that. You know, for a small fee of a dollar ninety nine. Wow. Since That's... this podcast is free. Yeah, exactly. For... You know, I can teach you how to be a Twitter star too. Oh, I like that. You should you should do like a, like an online seminar. That would be really good. To, you know, Mo Buckus brings you the way <laughs> of the internet. I, I think that would be Absolutely. fantastic. So, I mean, again, I'm, I'm open to debate all over social media. So, again, Mike Mo Show on Facebook and Twitter, it's there. Absolutely. You know, hit Mo up. Let, let us know what you like. Let us know what you dislike. It's probably not very much. I mean, it's probably just like, oh, man, Mo's, you know, his voice is a little squeaky sometimes. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. We enjoy it. We're having a lot of fun. We love doing these episodes. There's going to be plenty more coming, you know, regardless or not if you tune in. But if you tune in. It'll just give us that much more uh, excitedness to keep doing it. Because if you look on iTunes, the popularity is going really well. It is. It's really. It's starting to take off. Our social media numbers are up there. So like the page, share the page. I'm actually going to be at the Yankee game uh, versus the Braves at the Wire World of Sports on the 30th. So I'll be live tweeting from there. I'm sure Mo will be. Uh, Every, at home watching the Knicks lose. Yeah, everywhere and anywhere, but he'll be tweeting about it because that's what Mo does. Because he's you know a senior tweet. Which you, is, you gotta you gotta establish a brand, man. That's yeah. how you get more money and more buckets. And more buckets. Uh, Joe Johnson did it. Joe you Johnson. Know, Fitzpatrick I, tried to do it and he failed, but you know that's another story. And that's funny because I was talking debating a guy the other day and he's like, "Well, who do you think?" Because he's listening to the show and he's like, "Who do you think is gonna you know win the NBA title?" And I was like, "Well, it's Golden State." He's like, "Oh, Miami Heat for sure." And I was like, "You know what? Like the way that they're playing lately." They could possibly go. They could be coming out of the East. I mean, I, w- I would not be surprised. I would have been surprised a couple weeks ago to 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 really admit that, but it's true. So basically, what Mike is trying to tell you guys is that he's getting recognized on the streets from his podcast. So that's that's his you know. Well, oh, you know what? Little... They see the graphic. They look at the the chiseled chin, and then they hear this sweet velvety voice of mine, <laughs> and they're like, "You're Mike Calandrillo," and I'm like, "Yes, I am." And then there's Steve Verna. Yeah, there. Steve Verna with in there for you. sick graphics. One day we're going to have enough money to pay him on the regular and just get graphics every week. It's going to be Absolutely. fantastic. That is the goal. Well, we're building a huge, nice structure over here, Mikey Moshe. Absolutely. No matter if it takes us 14 more years, we're going to get there. ESPN, <laughs> Fox Sports, MLB Network, NBA TV, you name it. We're, we'll go anywhere. Just uh, yeah. show me the money. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure. That is episode four of the Mike and Mo Show. Uh, definitely, please watch the NCAA selection show. We're going to have a lot to talk about that next week. Baseball gets a week closer to uh, first pitch. We get a little bit closer to the NBA playoffs. There's a lot going on, and I'm sure uh, Mo might even sign a contract in the NFL because everyone is getting a job. Hey, if Nate can do it, I can do it. Nate's not doing it, but maybe Mo can do it because I have faith. <laughs> I'm a little younger than Nate, so maybe I have a chance. Yeah, a little bit more spry in those legs. Absolutely. Episode four, we're out. Until next week, everybody be good, show some love, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace.